I'm a fish boy who skates for Team X Blades with a leprechaun Who plays basketball, come to my smart house Meet my alien sister, don't come hungry Because I'll bet my mom can't Hello everyone and welcome to Mom Can't Cook, a DCOM podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Andy Farrant, and I am floating gaseously through uh, my home planet, Zircalon. Yeah, hi, I'm Luke Westaway, the other host. We're f***ed, Andy. We're f***ed. <laughs> Massively f***ed. I don't know how I forgot everything about this one. I was gonna. I was doing like a whole... I was bringing people gently into the fiction so that when we started There's, talking about the absolutely batch stuff that happens in this movie there's no time there's no time this is we can't this is it's unpodcastable i was what <laughs> i was watching stepsister from planet weird i was laughing a lot because it's absolutely hat stand i was having a great time but mm-hmm. then weird things just kept happening and b- bizarre scenes that could be whole podcasts on their own just just kept going and stacking up and stacking up and i just started to feel like a podcaster at the base of Podcast Everest looking up. I'm I'm so outfaced by Yeah, this is by the this. most bonkers film. Well, what I've the mistake, maybe ever seen? The mistake we made was make it we we launched a podcast yep. about Disney Channel original movies. That was a mistake, you're right. That was a mistake. What we should have done was launch a podcast about Stepsister from, <laughs> Planet, from Weird. Planet Weird. So the, and just like a week like yes. serial, we yes. would have dug deeper into the mystery of this film. Yes, <laughs> exactly. It'd be like a high highbrow this American lifestyle investigation into how this film got exactly. made. Yeah, with cliffhangers and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Because because actually, this is this you know we're not going to be able to properly excavate this one. This could be a, this could be like a five-parter. Mm. Genuinely, it might be the complete decom package. It's got it's got an absolutely baffling narrative structure with yeah. time rewinding. Uh, yeah. It's got it's got unbelie- like an unbelievably deep lore that is sort of hinted at and never explained in any way yes. that makes sense. Yes, there's, there's a sci-fi element that is at once way too in-depth and yet not even remotely coherent. <laughs> it, it's got a mom who can't cook. Yeah. And it's got an extreme sport that in, real- <laughs> in real life is a medium cool sport at best, but that the film baselessly asserts is like the most extreme kick-ass thing that's ever happened. It's pretty much, yeah, the platonic ideal of a decom. It's the complete package. Yeah. it's. I think if I were to compare it to any other decom that we've done on this podcast, it's quite close to Mum's Got a Date with a Vampire. It yes. even like, shares the same character um, in the sort of little ginger boy who like knows exactly what's going on and keeps loudly announcing it. it well, played by the same actor. Yeah, played by the yeah. same actor. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's it sort of, it takes that idea and goes in some sort of strange new directions with it. Yeah, it does. Um, um, it, it's got this, yeah, this narrative structure. It's like, it, it follows, it, it broadly follows the two stepsisters, or, you know, we, soon will be stepsisters step- to be. Yeah, yeah, stepsisters to be, one of whom is an alien. Um, and the story sort of switches perspectives, but every time it switches perspective, it rewinds quite a lot and yeah. covers scenes that you've already seen from a different perspective, like Kurosawa's Rashomon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's breathtakingly <laughs> experimental in form. Well, yes. before, before we get too into it, let's, you know, you think we're going to have a hard time in, in several hours. Yeah. Let's see how the Disney Channel presented this in 30 seconds. First, her mom gets engaged. What do you mean you met a guy? Then her future stepsister invades her space. 
She starts school with you tomorrow. Now, Megan's perfect world is about to pop. Is it really her fault everybody mistakes her weirdness for coolness? Tomorrow night, Disney Channel presents Stepsister from Planet Weird. She is scary. Stepsister from Planet Weird, a Disney Channel original movie. Tomorrow at 7.30, 6.30 Central, followed by Mighty Joe Young. It was wonderful! Part of Zoog Weekends. All right, well, that's no help whatsoever. No, that, no none the wiser. Yeah. Um, the only other note I have before we kick off on this is that I think at, at, this, at the core of this film are two great performances from the, the two actors who were playing the, the stepsisters. Well, it's Courtney Draper is one of them, the, um, the actress who played Elizabeth in Bioshock Infinite, of course. Yes, that's right. And, and who, is, um, who you might remember from 13th Year. Yeah. And the other is Tamara Hope. Yes, uh, who plays <laughs> Ariel Kohler. And who is now like an yeah, but who is now an, like an incredibly well-regarded musician um, in yeah. Ca- in Canada? Her she performs as the Weather Station, um, and her 2021 album Ignorance uh, was number seven in Pitchfork's listing of the best albums of 2021. Holy holy cats, that's incredible! Yeah. And Andy, bef- uh, you've already told me off off air about the guy who plays Cutter, but I'd like you to tell the people at home. I, so yeah, what if you've seen this film? Um, the kind of boyfriend character of Cutter. Um, I would just encourage you to go and sort of Google what the actor looks like now. This is Thomas M. Wright. He's an Australian actor. Mm. He looks badass. He looks like a sort of cowboy miner who makes like awesome music in his spare time. But what he does in his spare time is have an incredibly prestigious theatre company called the yeah. Black Lung Theatre Company. Uh, you, um, if you're a fan of prestige drama, which as a mom can't cook listener is vanishingly <laughs> unlikely, the, 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 um, you might recognise him uh, from Top of the Lake, where he plays the character of Jono. Yeah, um, one of the main major characters in that, and uh, you know, a, a, a powerhouse performance. So yeah, there's a lot of talent. It, yeah, there's a lot of talent here. Really is like a absolute powerhouse cast working with some of the most challenging material I think <laughs> they could possibly ever encounter. This is one for the ages. So. Okay, shall we begin? Yeah. Should we? Let's go. Let's go. Die on this mountain. Okay. I'm ready good. to freeze. I've just. I'm going to empty all these provisions out of my pack. Yeah. I don't need these. I will be ascending yeah. without oxygen. Thank you. <laughs> Won't be needing anything for the return journey because there's not <laughs> going to be one. Uh, so we open on some windsurfing. This is the sport Luke was alluding to. Windsurfing. Um, yeah. Courtney Draper. Um, she's playing a girl called Megan. She says, wind. There's nothing else like it. There's a sick windsurfing montage. It's totally extreme, she says. Bizarrely, wind is a real theme of this film about yeah. aliens. So this establishing of wind, yeah. this is like, this is Chekhov's wind. So yes. just sort of bear in mind. Just note that Megan likes wind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's Megan Larson, your average teenage windsurfer girl. <laughs> loves wind. Um, she loves wind and also <laughs> Cutter. A, a hunky windsurfer boy. She tells us um, there's nothing remotely average about him. Yeah. Uh, he, this cutter is windsurfing, so righteous. He has sort of bleached, uh, spiky hair. Imagine yeah. a young Gary Boosie. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, the sort sure. of thing we're going for. Yeah. Um, she's checking out Cutter as they windsurf, but then Cutter wipes out, trying to stunt too sickly. But don't worry, because Megan swoops past, carving up the ocean with her cool windsurfing board. Mm-hmm. Uh, swoops past Cutter and grabs him, snatches him out of the water, ably, and they ride along on the same windsurf, a bit like that scene in Ghost. Yeah, she um, lowers a hand to Cutter, and then somehow one-handed lifts an almost fully grown man onto her windsurfing board with no <laughs> effort or loss of board control. Well, you might be thinking, how could this, how could this possibly happen? Yeah. Is this... Is this real life? That was sick, Megan. Yeah. You flatly rule, says Cutter. Be my girlfriend. <laughs> you flatly rule is so good. 
You, you flatly rule. Flatly. It's time yeah. to start using flat. It's time to reclaim flatly from Michael. From please. Michael. <laughs> from Michael. Because <laughs> when you say someone flatly rules, you imagine they're really good at river dance. <laughs> but what it, should, what it actually means is that there's no variance in their level of how much they rule. There's no spikes. There's no peaks yes, or troughs. Exactly. It's just consistent rulage. Just a perfect plateau of ruling. Yeah. Yeah. You flatly rule, says Cutter. Will you be my girlfriend? Uh, and then, who's this standing on the water, Christ-like? It's <laughs> Megan's mum and dad. Yeah. Uh, they tell her that they've decided to get back together. Uh, and, oh, what's this? Her little brother is there as well. And he says, I've decided never to act like a little freak again. Heather Hartman, the most popular girl in school, appears on the water and she welcomes Megan into the popular group. You might recognise her from Xenon. Yeah, she's the mean girl in Xenon. Yep. Um, now, if you've seen Quince, probably at this point you're sort of cringing back from the screen yeah. waiting for the verbal smackdown that's yes. about to come from Megan when she calls you a f***ing idiot for believing yeah. that any of this happened yes. but even though it's obviously a dream sequence mm-hmm. this film respects its audience <laughs> and we cut to he- we cut to Megan asleep and she says dear diary if only life were like my dream mm. you're like good I don't feel belittled or yelled at <laughs> by not, the movie <laughs> I'm not cringing back in fear like a struck hound <laughs> So we, yeah, so Megan is in bed. It was indeed a dream. Then uh, her little brother, Trev, uh, who yeah. is the little kid from Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire, yeah. jumps onto if, her bed. Yeah. We refer to it as uh, Mom's Gadwav. <laughs> yeah, that's it's right. too Mom's, long a title. From Mom's Gadwav. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Trev jumps up on Megan's bed and screams, Die, alien, die. Dear diary, if only life were like my dream. Aliens are his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, his yeah. only thing. His own. His only personality trait. He has really. no personality or other lines. He just yeah. shouts that everyone is an alien. Yes, and and to be fair and to him, he's correct almost well, a lot of the time. A stopped clock is right twice a day. Mm, so, mm. you know, if you t- say everyone's an alien, you're yeah. eventually bound to be right. This kid who screams constantly about everyone being an alien is frankly exceptionally lucky that two aliens have entered his life. <laughs> enters his social <laughs> orbit of five people. <laughs> Um, he wants to be a, a men in black. Um, it's obvious what he means, but Megan says he can't as he's only one person. Yes. Um, he would have to be a man in black. Uh, he then uh, flatly states that he wants to get jiggy with it. Um, <laughs> Which is not the right song. <laughs> That's a different Will Smith song. He's just going through the Will Smith phase that all children have. We find, uh, we now get like a flashback. Uh, because yes. Megan explains that a lot, there's a lot of voiceover in this film from both girls who are mm-hmm. doing diary entries. It's a sort of dear diary narrative technique. Uh, Megan explains uh, to the diary and thereby to the audience um, that they don't see very much of their dad anymore. Um, he's always busy, it seems like. And we get a flashback to uh, a beach holiday that the family went on when they were younger. The whole family, all four of them having uh, fun in the sun fun in the sun but then uh-oh dad's cell phone is ringing ring yeah, ring it seems that he's a bit of a workaholic this dad yeah uh, he goes back to the car to continue his work the family the rest of the family continue on to the beach and the phone call is still going as the sun sets and the family returns to the car yeah so he's had a sort of six hour phone call bearing in mind that he's got one of those like gigantic chunky cell phones because it's Mm -hmm. the past there is no amount of business he could have done that would have made up for the price of a cell phone call that length in this era 
And either his so battery expensive. would have died or yeah. if he was running it off the cigarette lighter, the car's battery would have died. So the family is not getting home that night. <laughs> the family is stranded at the beach. Stranded at the beach. <laughs> so as you can imagine, the parents then split up. Yes. Yeah. Um, the dad and, seems like a real piece of work. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And mom, uh, the mom character is apparently the only person on the planet who loves windsurfing as much as Megan does. Yes. Um, she's definitely not your typical mum, says Megan, as we see uh, her mother serving crackers for breakfast. She's definitely not your typical mom. Crackers? Cool, I love crackers. So do I, but not for breakfast. Is that it? Don't be silly, Megan. What kind of mother gives her kids just crackers? Without soup. Mom, you can't have soup for breakfast. Why not, Megan? Soup is good food. She can't cook. Everybody tick that off your dick. bingo card, finish your drink. They're like, oh, crackers for breakfast, this isn't very good. And then mom is like, well, how about this? Also, soup. Mm. Have some soup. I don't, soup I don't think soup is necessarily a sort of preposterous breakfast food. For bre- soup for breakfast. I can imagine a sort of, well, what is, what is porridge? It's porridge sort of oat, is... It's oat soup. <laughs> Never call it oat soup again. It's basically oat soup. Well, I mean... You need to get off your high horse, mate, and in, uh, admit that porridge is, a, is soup. Porridge is... Okay, fine. Well, okay, Por- a broth. Maybe Por- a chunky broth. Porridge is a soup. Well, I suppose tea is basically bag soup, isn't it? Tea is like a clear broth. Yeah. Tea is basically a stew, I think. It's like a sort of miso. There's also, something... you have miso soup for breakfast in Japan. So oh, maybe right. stop being so Eurocentric. All right. I'll grant you... It's the temperature. Gazpacho for breakfast, fine. That sounds entirely continental. However, there's something about the heat of a soup, like a hot soup at breakfast sure. that is Could just... you have your, your porridge cold, right? Porridge is... Porridge is different. It's porridge a, just, is a it's soup. In a, well, uh, is a Cheerios a soup? Yes. <laughs> okay, okay, fine. I see that you're going to bite the bullet and insist that anything in a bowl is a soup. <laughs> it's a liquid in a bowl How with stuff I... floating in it. Okay. If okay, I... replace, replace the milk with chicken broth and replace the Cheerios yes. with vegetables. No, you're what right. What do you call if, that? If you change all the things in it, it's, it is a different thing. If I got a bowl and filled it with petrol and put yes. spiders in it, would you call that soup? Yes. <laughs> okay. Fine. Fine. <laughs> we, we, in my in my mind, I can picture the planet Zirkle on and how long we're going to have to talk oh, about God. soup. All right. We, we can't, can't talk about soup anymore. We can't go on these entertaining we, we diversions. There's no time. There's no time for fun. We've okay. a mountain to climb. Mum is not usually this bizarre, says Megan, of her mother offering her traditional lunch foods a few hours early. Yeah. But ever since Dad left, she's been distracted. Uh, Megan says, but if you think about it, our life is cool in a lot of ways. And we get a, a cute flashback scene to yeah. uh, to Megan and Trev and the mom. And they're doing camping in the garden, which yeah. is, you know, pretty cute. And the sprinklers come on and mom's like, oh, no, I forgot the sprinklers. And everyone's like, yeah. oh, we're all wet. And Even nice. though, actually, like, that would be awful, wouldn't it? Like, did you ever camp in the garden? It's brilliant. Yeah, 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 it's good. Yeah, it's and you best. sort of go into the house and when you get cold and you can take a bunch of Kit Kats back to your tent. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's the best thing about it is like raiding the house like a buccaneer. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> like sneaking in, yeah, getting right. getting all the Kit Kats and <laughs> a multi pack of Kit Kats and returning to your Kit Kat tin. Yeah. yeah, your parents just hear the door slam and there's a sort of like trail of dropped Kit Kats leading out to the door. <laughs> little wet footprints. Yeah, but oh, um, yeah. so yeah, they they go camping in the back garden. Mum has had a couple of dates. Uh, one came round to the house, but um, her brother Trevor karateed at him um, until he broke up. With their mother, it's a pretty good scene. This, um, the you know, visually, it's quite enjoyable to see Trevor doing karate in this man's face while yeah. he uh, while he can't stand it. Um, but yeah, it seems that Trevor drove off the last man that their mum tried to date. Uh, yeah. At school, we learn that Megan is not in the in the popular group. Uh, she but, was for a week once because. But um, wait until you hear how she fl- nearly was popular. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. Let's uh, let's hear from Megan. How she managed to be popular for a week. I mean, well, I was in it for a week last year. They thought I was related to Jewel or something. Well, actually, I, I kind of told them that I was. But when Heather Hartman found out that I wasn't, oh, it was bad. You're not Jewel's cousin, Megan. Well, I have a cousin who sort of looks like Jewel. And she sings pretty well. You can't sit at our table anymore. Now. <laughs> Go on. I, okay, I don't know how popular Jewel was. Yeah, Jewel was a huge star in the mm. 90s, which is not when this film came out. This film's um, from the year 2000. This film's from the year 2000, yeah. So, yeah, it is a little bit dated. But then, maybe, Megan has done that tactically, because if she was to say oh. that she was related to a sort of... To Missy Elliott. Yeah, yeah. If yeah, that's No a, one's going to buy it. Yeah, to say, you know, Jewel... It's just it's believable. If anyone told me they were related to Jewel, I'd be like, yeah. Well, yes, also, why, right. it, because it's Jewel and because she's less famous at this point, it makes it a much weirder and therefore less likely to be lie. It's yes. like, wh- why would you lie? About, if you were going to lie, you'd say, oh, I'm related to Christina Aguilera. Yeah. Or so, yeah. But if you came out with like a real, like a real pull, if you're like, I'm related to Billy Crudup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Like, people would be like, Hang on. Search him on their phone and be like, oh, from from Watchmen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Haven't seen him in much lately. Yeah. How's he doing? Fine. Huh. Giovanni Rabisi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No one's yeah. going to no one's going to call you out on that. No one's going to question that. Yeah, cuz it's it's too it's too unlikely. Yeah. I'm yeah. related to the guy who played the neighbor on Home Improvement. Yeah. Oh, oh, wait, can you tell me what was up with his face? Yeah. Yeah, it was all messed up down there. It was all messed up down there. Is that that was it, is it? Yeah. Okay, but they hired him with a regular face. Then his yeah, face and then got, Tim then Allen. It, the contract was signed <laughs> accidentally one day. Tim Allen, Tim Allen, Tim Allen ran a lawnmower over him. Yeah, there was a power t- tool incident in the yeah, studio. Messed up his face, but of course yeah. the contract was signed. The ink was dry. They had to put him in the show. So thinking quick, they said, "Well, let's just have the top half of his face poking yeah. over a fence." And the right, but below that is a sort of complicated system of like tubes and bellows to keep him alive. <laughs> <laughs> the main problem is that the apparatus is extremely loud. So on <laughs> on on set, everyone had to speak up. Yeah, Tim Allen had to yell all his lines. He later attributed it to helping him define his unique style. <laughs> we can't, so, we can't, we can't, we can't. She got kicked can't. out of the cool kids uh, gang for lying about being related to Jewel. She yeah. has another friend called Mikey. Mikey is Kelly from Jurassic Park 2. 
The Lost World. They have a conversation where Mikey posits that retractable claws would be cool. Megan improbably thinks that actually that would be lame. Retractable claws would be totally cool. That would be lame, Mikey. What about x-ray vision? Shapeshifting. That'd be fresh. <laughs> the truth is, though, Diary, I really only want to be in the popular group for one reason. Cutter Coburn is the most extreme kid in high school. But Megan only wants to be in the cool group for one reason. Cutter mm. Coburn, a young Gary Boosie type. Yeah. The most extreme boy in high school. <laughs> I've written down, I miss extreme being a non-frightening description of a boy. This boy is really extreme. Yeah, he's, he's the most extreme kid in high school. Yeah. You know, if you say that now, it doesn't sound like a kid I want to meet. No. Yeah, but, no, no, you know, no. in the year 2000s, it just means, yeah. boy, does he windsurf. Yeah, this boy is an extremist. Yeah, this is, yes, this this, this is a, this is an extremist boy. <laughs> um, because he's, he is, you know, he is the extremist. The extreme, the, the extremist. Last the, year, yeah. apparently, he skated down an entire mountain. Uh, yes. We cut to footage of him having a terrible accident. <laughs> yeah. He's being dashed against the rocks, presumably because he tried to roll a blade down a mountain. This is a this is this is a joke. This is, is not a dream sequence. No, it's not a dream sequence. This yeah. really happened. Yeah, we see in in cutaway we see Cutter, uh, yeah, rolling. It, it's like Homer going down the yeah. gorge, like his yeah, yeah, yeah. body all broken and smashed up on skates. So he recently started windsurfing. Um, and as such has been coming to Megan's mum's windsurfing shop because that is in fact the yep. career that Megan's mum has windsurf we get a, shop operator we get a scene where he comes up to uh, Megan who's working there um, he tries to guess her name hey oh hey I remember you from school what's your name again Corrigan Vegan Fagan Megan oh, Megan uh, hey do you think I could have some of those chips yeah go ahead so <laughs> <laughs> Cutter is not the sharpest, despite the name. He's yeah. not the sharpest tool. Yeah, in the shed. Yeah, um, but he does. He does uh, offer up some brilliant slang. I don't know if you noted this down, but as he walks into the shop, he's talking to his friend about his windsurfing. He says um, that he was nuking it like big time. Mm-hmm. I was sitting ramp after ramp, dude. Yeah, which is puzzling to me because there aren't ramps ramps in in the, sea, in the sea. But maybe, but maybe like when you just sort of ramp off a wave. Yeah. The waves are nature's ramps. That's, think, that's yeah. yeah. If Yeah, I think Johnny Tsunami said something along those lines. She sort of gazes adoringly at him, um, but then she goes on to say that that's all ancient history because everything has changed. And we cut to mum announcing that she's met a guy and his name is genuinely and legitimately Cosmo Cola. <laughs> you can't... You can't date people called Cosmo Cola <laughs> because it doesn't matter... <laughs> It doesn't matter how well they present themselves. Mm-hmm. They can have everything else going on, but 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 you need but you don't know why they're called Cosmo Cola. Mm-hmm. You just know that the reason isn't good. <laughs> <laughs> um, Trevor says, with a name like that, he sounds like an alien from space. Is he? <laughs> yes, Trev. Well done. Yeah. You've got it. Then we get a flashback to. Mom and Cosmo Cola meeting. Now, you tell me if you think this sounds like a meet cute. Mom is windsurfing, um, you know, shredding the gnar, hitting ramp yeah. after ramp, uh, nuking it so yeah. righteous. Then, from the shore, a man in a bright, colourful tracksuit starts yeah. screaming at her and sprinting into the water towards her. In all his clothes. In all his clothes. Um, s- screaming like a man possessed. 
Yeah. Uh, he grabs her uh, and sort of gr- grabbing her says, are you all right? Are you all right? I saw you being blown about by the wind. I'm windsurfing. I'm Cause. Nice to meet you. <laughs> and then he offers her some candy. <laughs> so, I mean, who wouldn't fall in love with... Yeah. Who could resist the sexual magnetism of this... Well, indeed. Th- and Thrashing man. <laughs> yeah. And according to the mum, uh, he has a childlike quality that she finds attractive. Yeah. Weird. Weird. I find so refreshing, she says. I mean, I suppose it's supposed to be put in contrast to the dad, who's like, I spend all day on the phone doing business. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the, spontaneous, the two spontaneous life loving the, the two romantic choices that everyone has to choose between. Yeah. Do you want a person who is always on the phone, conducting business nonstop with no time for their family, or do you want someone in clownish yeah. tracksuit uh, like outfit who will sprint into the water screaming about the wind? Yeah. And can he saw sting baby man. <laughs> yeah. Who tag, tag yourself? I'm exhausting, baby man. Who <laughs> does everything in a in a weird way on purpose? Damn. Apparently, this Cosmo Cola said that he was from Canada, um, the Yukon of yep. all places. And then we see a shot of the desolate Yukon population, not many people. It says. It says on um, screen. Yeah, he has a daughter called Ariel, and she's 14 too, just like Megan. Uh, so then we see um, a montage of Mom coming home from dates with Cosmo Cola. This is just to let us, the audience, know that the, the two of them are getting closer and closer. Although yeah. we see Mom coming home, like walking in through the door from her date, first with a Viking hat yeah. with horns on it, mm-hmm. uh, next with a load of balloons, yep, and finally with a bubble machine. Mm-hmm. Um. Which hints at some very unusual dates. It, yeah, it hints at them going to some sort of wacky places where they acquired these things. Later we find out that Cosmo just bought these things from home and gave them to her on the date. <laughs> he probably just shows up to a, a nice restaurant with yeah. a bubble machine. Yeah, exactly. That's because yeah. he's, he's wacky and has a childlike quality. So it's time now for the kids to meet Cosmo Cola. Their relationship has got to that point. So mom is like, hey, kids. I want yep. you to meet Cosmo. He's really important to me. It would mean a whole lot to me if you would at least try. Cosmo makes me really happy, you know, Meg? And maybe you'll like him too if you give him a chance. You know what, Mom? You're right. I'll try. I really, I really will. Thanks, sweetie. And maybe I'll think that he and Ariel are great. If you like them, then they must be great, right? Of course, you also like Lord of the Dance, but we won't go there. So her mom thinks that flatly rules. <laughs> So yeah, the door goes. Uh, why? It's Cosmo, Cola and Ariel. Cosmo is wearing a Hawaiian shirt and holding 24 bottles of root beer. He sprints in with a swivel-eyed intensity like a startled <laughs> horse. Uh, he grabs Megan, who he's never met, remember, lifts her off the floor and spins her around in the air, babbling about game shows that he likes. Megan Larson! Megan Larson! Mom! You have no idea how happy I am to finally meet you. Are you Cosmo? Should be on a game show, Megan. I like Hollywood Squares myself. Whoopee for the block! It's immediately clear that Cosmo is on something. Yes. I mean, I've written in capital letters, cocaine. Yeah. Um, I think that's a fair, yeah, fair assessment. Honestly, from from this performance, there is no other conclusion to draw. The character Cosmo Cola, what's his secret? What's the secret to his childlike intensity? I'll tell (laughs) you. (laughs) <laughs> cocaine. It's cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so he's, yeah, he's grabbed Meg and spins her around. Um, Trev, little brother, runs up and asks him at laser gun point. Toy laser gun, of course. A toy laser gun, yes. Yeah. If he's a good or a bad alien. Um, Cosmo thinks about this for one second, cocaine coursing through his bloodstream, then says, uh, he's good, mostly, sometimes bad, um, and sprints and off to do something else. He attacks the brother, yeah. and the dog comes in, Cosmo's rolling around on the floor, screaming and yelling. The mum is loving this for some reason. I imagine she's had some of Cosmo's cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever else he's got in his bag. <laughs> something to even her out. Uh, I have gas, he says. I mean root beer. Um, he gestures to the 24 bottles of root beer. Ariel isn't there. She's in the car because she doesn't like the wind. Wind can be very frightening if you don't understand it, uh, says says mom. If you're an alien, the wind can just blow you away, shouts Trevor, who honestly changed the f***ing record. <laughs> also, what do you mean? If you're an alien, wind can just blow you away. Well, what he's what, what he's inadvertently mean? done, what he has inadvertently done, is exactly pinpointed the weakness of the alien race of which Cosmo <laughs> is a part of by just shouting random nonsense. Yeah. Again, Trevor's getting really lucky with his mm. sort of sage predictions. Well, if you say that someone's an alien from a race that's vulnerable to wind all the time, you know, you're bound to be right once or twice. You're bound to be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. certainly, eventually, at some point in your life, a wind-vulnerable race of aliens will... <laughs> We'll enter. <laughs> um, Trev is like, he's doing like Bran, Brandon Stark sort of proclamations almost. Mm, like he's the one-eyed raven. The one-eyed, yeah, his <laughs> eyes roll back in his head. He shouts something about aliens being vulnerable to wind. And everyone probably should be writing it down because it's going to be important. So, yeah, so Ariel, the um, Cosmo's daughter, is hiding under the car. Megan goes yeah. outside and, and finds her. The car is a quirky pink Cadillac because yes. Cosmo can't do anything normally. He can't do anything. No- yeah, he can't. please yeah. be normal, Cosmo. Uh, and yeah, and Ariel is sort of hiding underneath it. What are you doing under there? I fear the wind. Oh. Dear diary, I cannot make sense of this strange planet called Earth. And then the narration changes from being Megan's narration yes. to being Ariel's narration. Yes. She says, Dear Diary, I cannot make sense of this strange planet called Earth. We've we've also, I should say, rewound. So, like, yeah. when it shifts to Ariel's viewpoint, it goes... And rewinds back to, like, the, the beginning of the narrative. Yeah. Except, so we've gone back in time again. You thought we were making progress. Uh-huh. But we weren't. But now we're back again at now, the start of the film. So the, the the direction, it's like, imagine... Okay, imagine a line that goes forward. Mm-hmm. That's the story. Then imagine yeah. that line goes back on itself to the original point. That's the rewind. Now imagine that line goes at a 90-degree angle. Zoop, like, straight off as far as the horizon. That's what the film is going to do next. Mm-hmm. Because we are going to find out Ariel and Cosmo's whole deal... And it could not be weirder if, it, like, if a, if a team of a thousand people tried. Yeah. You know, a, a, a million chimps with, with, for a million years at a million typewriters could not devise an alien fiction <laughs> that is this bizarre. Yeah. It is like some it is gen, you know what, it, it genuinely is like something from the mind of Ian M Banks's culture series of space <laughs> opera novels so, so so Ariel is is making sort of golden letters appear in yeah. the in the air from her hand 
Uh, she talks about her grotesque human body with its rubbery skin and flat face and horrible yellow hair that it, it, sprouts from her hideous skull. Can I read, the, can I read this out? Because it's some of yes. my favourite writing in the decom. Go for it. This is what Ariel says. Dear Diary. And again, just they're just throwing this up on the Disney Channel. Dear yeah. Diary. Every time I look at this horrid vehicle, the rubbery flesh, the flat face, the, the ghastly, ghastly yellow, yellow hair, hair that grows out of this hideous scalp, I can only think. I am grotesque. The same dream comes to me most every night. I'm back on my home planet of Circulon. I'm once again a beautiful pink ball of gas, floating next to my beloved Fenul. Oh, fine, fine handsome, hand- intelligent Fenul. How I miss floating with you. I miss my true self, my essence. How I long to be Suiza of Zircalon once again. And it's powerful stuff. And and as this happens, <clears throat> we see mm. Zircalon. Yes. And I don't know how to begin describing it. It looks like so it's just sort of like sky footage that they've tinted pink. So it's like pink sky, pink clouds. Yes. Okay. Everyone on Zircalon yeah. is a pink ball of gas. Or, a, well, it's a sort of, they're like CG pink balls with faces on. Imagine like a late 90s screensaver. Um, yeah. Yeah. They, these balls of gas have human faces and sort of hair. Like the Fenul one has a sort of Gary Boosie haircut. So. I'm trying to think what, do you remember Hollow Man? The movie, mm. the horror yeah. movie, the, the like, Invisible Man, the Invisible Kevin Man Bacon horror film. movie. Yeah. Do you know how he was sort of visually represented, and it looked a bit like he was made out of plastic, like clear yeah. plastic sometimes. Yeah, when you could kind of half see him, it's a bit. It look they look a bit like that. They're sort of it. The, yeah. So, so imagine like a plastic ball with a kind of human face embossed on it. It's more like a sort of soap bubble because they've got a sort of pearlescent. Sheen to the outside, but then if you sort of texture mapped Gary Boosie's face onto a soap bubble, yes, get a transparent PNG of Gary Boosie's face. But imagine that you don't have the rendering power or the time, or indeed the inclination to create a good-looking CGI soap bubble. So it's Mm -hmm. it's got a sort of kind of rough fuzziness to it. It looks a bit more. It looks more like kind of hammered metal is the texture almost. And, and and every being on Zircalon is one of these spheres yes. with, a, with an embossed CGI face on it. The faces have haircuts, yes. sort of circa 2000s human haircuts. Yeah, and also like um, sort of gender identifiers. Yes. Female uh, gas bubbles have like long hair. It's, yeah. like, it's a kind of Ms. Pac-Man Ms. situation. Pa- Ms. Pac-Man bubble. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they are all so so yeah so so Zircalon is a kind of fantastical paradise cloud city. Yeah. Whenever we hear of like life back on Zircalon, the only thing that anyone ever says they do is float. Yeah. There's no reference to any kind of society or food, <laughs> well, or arts or entertainment. They're just like, how I long to be on Zircalon, floating. Floating. But but you know what. If that was it, I would buy it. If it was because I could believe that there is an alien species that is just bubbles, and what they do is float and enjoy it. That's fine. Yeah. What you can't do is say, "All right, what if there's an alien species and they're bubbles who float, except they have an evil emperor and there are spaceships." 
Yeah, so this is when we get a huge lore dump. Yeah. Um, oh, so it's so it's so good. I knew that we were going to have to leave Circle on Diary. I knew that Daddy's life was in danger because he was a freedom fighter. And then suddenly, a bunch of spaceships <laughs> zoom in, and she she says, "I knew, of course, that Zavad was an oppressive emperor, and we were not completely free on Zircalon. How are you? You just float around all day. In what in what <laughs> capacity is the cruel emperor Zavad repressing, oppressing, and repressing you?" Anyway, why do they have spaceships when they just float around? The spaceships. What's in the spaceship? Is the there spaceship a spaceship? Is the is it like the size of them? Yeah. The, yeah. The space. Each spaceship is the size of a head bubble. Yeah. So, like, what's in the spaceship? I don't know. I, this, I mean, the spaceships. You could tell me that there's nothing in the spaceship, and it's as like a sort of solid robotic AI thing. That would be fine. But how? There's no hint at like h- how is technology actually being built. Because they are bubbles. <laughs> yeah, they're non-corporeal. They don't have... Well, and also they can't, like, touch anything solid or they burst. Or they we burst. find out in a, in a second yeah. as the spaceships chase the headballs, yeah. firing lasers at them. And Ariel's mother bubble is lost forever when she sort of hits a rock and bursts. Yeah, you know when we were doing First Kid and I said this is the only decom where someone is fatally shot? Yeah, well, I I watched this three times, and I don't think she gets. I don't think she actually gets hit by a laser. I think she bangs into a rock and bursts. Yeah, so yeah, I similarly rewound and rewound this. It's hard to tell what's going on because visually it's not clear. Also, I've just remembered that in First Kid, no one is fatally shot. So in fact, this one is worse. So, 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 so. Okay, do you remember how like ten minutes ago we were talking about Cutter in the windsurfing shop? Yeah. Well, now three gas bubbles. On the planet Zircalon. Suiza and her parents are yep. fleeing through this sort of pink cloud space, running from the, yep. the murderous spaceships of the oppressive Emperor Savard. Emperor's attack fleet. His, yep. Yeah, his attack ships. And at the front of the sort of phalanx of attack ships is the floating headball of the Emperor Savard. <laughs> I mean, He's you know, still chasing and grimacing. Fair, fair dues to Savard, leading from the front. That's yeah. what, you know, he might be an oppressive emperor, but at least, you know, he is, he, he's, he's down there. He's, he's in the trenches of warfare. In, yeah. But, of course, you have to remember that Savard has the scent of a, of a freedom fighter in his ga- gaseous yeah. nostrils. You know, he's doing all sorts to disrupt Savard's plans, like floating in a slightly subversive <laughs> way. <laughs> I, I mean, we're doing? not totally free on Zircalon. Savard dictates the way in which no one may float over this part of the sky. You may float up and down, but not side to side and only horizontally sometimes. Oh, my God. Cosmo Cola, he's, he's, he's floating horizontally. He's floating horizontally constantly. Stop it. Kill him. Kill him. All of the other gas bubbles are seeing his example and getting ideas. <laughs> getting ideas about the directions they can float in. The, our gas society will crumble if these seditious concepts spread. How will they, how will they spread? It's not clear because I don't mm. even know if these gas bubbles, which remember don't really have eyes or sensory organs, how can they even see or perceive their fellow yeah. bubbles? Presumably, there's not like a gas newspaper that they read, well, they can, or like gas YouTube where he can upload a video of himself floating I mean, sideways. I mean, you know, the, the, this revolution may is maybe televised, perhaps. That's what yeah. Cos- Cosmo is doing that's so controversial. Well, so you can see why uh, cruel Emperor Savad is so keen to stop Cosmo Cola and yes. his seditious floating ways. So he's chasing. The mother is dashed against the rocks and killed. Yeah, yeah. so um, like a laser sort of hits her and she kind of 
goes uh. and then bursts in a sort of CGI shower of bubble gore. Yeah. Um, I don't think she gets hit by a laser. I think she just collides with a rock. But I mean, yeah, that that would be sure. Yeah, that would that would make it. But she's dead. She dies. Yeah. She dies on screen. The Emperor's head ball is closing in. Um, so Ariel's ball and Cosmo's ball fly into a sky hole that opens up for some reason. Now, if you can open sky holes at will, <laughs> then what use were the spaceships ever? <laughs> right? Well, I, I'm not sure that Cosmo Cola can do this whenever he wants. I don't know. It's never... He doesn't... Later on, we see one of these sky holes be opened with a handheld device. Yes. He obviously doesn't have one of those on him because he's a gas. Ball. He doesn't have hands. Yeah. However, so, okay, okay. But the device is of Zircalon make. Yeah, it's a yeah. So he's brought that device from Zircalon. Yes. We later see Empress Zavard slight spoilers in human form and he also has a device. Yeah. So on Zircalon so may- devices exist. Well, maybe someone opened that door earlier and forgot to shut it. And Cosmo is just like, nice. Yeah, per- perfect. The thing, this is not the thing that we should be hung up about. The thing we should be hung up about is that he goes through this sky hole. Yeah. And then, needless to say, and with no need to explain how or why, <laughs> oh they are God. now in human bodies on Earth. You're right. In human bodies! Okay. Okay. You're right. There is a question mark. It's like, we are gas bubbles escaping the oppressive Emperor Savard. Yeah. Something, 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 something off screen. Now we are wearing human skin. So you tell me what happened, and I think it has to be they killed a man and, a, and his daughter. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's... And took their skin. They didn't, like, become babies or anything. This is like... So Cosmo Cola is a guy in his sort of mid-40s with yeah. a goatee and a receding hairline. Yeah. And Ariel is a 14-year-old girl. Yeah. They're very idiosyncratic people. Yes. And where did that come from? They Where did mu- the goatee come from? They mu- well, it must have come from a human man. So you think that their gas sort of impacted with a man? I think it would and- be very easy for a for a, a gas bubble of indeterminate size, and for all we know, they can kind of go as big and as little as they like. Yeah, to float inside the ear canal of a man, expand in the brain, destroy the brain. Yeah, and basically, sort of flesh puppet the. The, the I think the man yeah, from there. I think that's probably right because Ariel, when she's describing it, describes it as a sort of suit that she's wearing. Right, it's like her vessel. Yes, yes, this horrid vehicle. So she's yeah, vehicle, driving it in it. some capacity. Yeah. So they just like their gas forms appeared on Earth. Yeah. And then they just floated into a man and his daughter and just yeah replaced all their brain and blood with gas. Somewhere in America, there was a family, and there was a, a, a dad and a daughter in this family. And one day they were sat at the breakfast table and two members of this family, basically, all of a sudden blood just poured out of their eyes and ears. Yeah. And then the two of them just got up, put on colourful clothes. And announced that they were called Cosmo Cola and Ariel Cola. Yeah, and walked outside scared of the wind. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. were never seen again. Yeah. yeah. So that's the sort of alien backstory of Cosmo and Ariel. Um, Ariel says that she will concede that Earth, for all its many failings, it does contain a wonderful abundance of the one substance Zircalonians need to survive, the element known as CO2. And then she drinks a big thing of root beer and says, at least I still have gas, in a sort of high-pitched robot alien voice for some reason. Strangely, Diary, with all its horrors and bizarre customs, Earth seems to possess a wonderful abundance of the one substance we Zircalonians need to survive. 
the element known as CO2. At least they still have gas. A, a needs CO2 to survive. Yeah. You're not in a Zerkalonian body anymore, you idiot. Yeah, that's right. Or, or Carbon... but, but maybe they just like, maybe they just do it for pleasure. Maybe they just get like a thrill out of. It'd be like if you it's poisonous to humans. But if you went in a, um, if you went in a, an alien body, you might still enjoy breathing in air, even though you didn't need to. You know, just for the sort of familiar rush of it going in to your body. Right. You might you might physically enjoy that. Just the sort of sensation. You'd be like, oh, that's nostalgic. Oh yes. The the I'm gonna this is audio poison, so I'm gonna start I'm gonna <laughs> stop loudly breathing yeah. and moaning. Yeah, no, no one clip that, please. <laughs> I want to you, the internet. Um so she then looks at her hand and says, Monstrosity. Uh why? Who can say? Anyway, she goes to see a psychic called Serena Sue, who has a thousand cats. Uh, in the month since you and your charming father have moved in, she says, um, or the ladies are loving Cosmo. I mean, seems. who wouldn't? Yeah, who wouldn't? He's a man in his mid-40s with a receding hairline, a goatee beard and a Hawaiian shirt. He's dressed as a clown and he's on cocaine. <laughs> he's dressed as a clown, he's on cocaine and he does everything the wrong way for, on purpose. Yeah. She says, I've perceived you are different. Uh, you don't feel you belong. You've lived many times before. Most recently, you were a cow hand who was crushed by a cow. Um, and then a fly buzzes in, Serena Sue swallows it and coughs. Um, this isn't the first, the only time this will happen in this film for some reason. Ariel tried to psychically tell her it was going to happen, but it turns out that psych- her psychicry is fraudulent. But at least she is uh, gaseous. I am a psychic. I already know what you were thinking. I can see very clearly exactly... I tried to tell Serena Sue about the flying insect diary, but of course she could not read my mind. She's a ridiculous and pathetic person, but she at least possesses a somewhat gaseous manner. So we cut to Cosmo and Ariel at home. Cosmo is being quirky, sort of painting things. Yeah. Oh, oh, we get to see their house. It's full of umbrellas and knickknacks. It looks like a TGI Fridays. It's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <what they're... laughs> but yeah. it's this is so this is so odd. Like why? If you're a being of pure gas who lives on a gas planet and just floats around all day and does nothing but float, yeah. if you were then transported to a world where things had physical form, why would you then live in a TJ Fridays and do art all the time? I don't... Uh, I think the idea... And look, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I'm not saying it makes sense. I think okay. the idea is that Cos- Cosmo is like... He's never had hands before. So to him, an umbrella is like a great... A great pleasure. And I mean okay, a great right. pleasure. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, things that move, like objects, you know, like uh, mach- machines and uh, items. and This doesn't really make sense because as we've established, they do have spaceships on Zircalon. So why he's yeah. unpressed by an umbrella, I cannot fathom. But, but, but I don't know. But Ariel doesn't like physical objects and she doesn't like... No, I get so. All right, imagine you, Luke. You fell through a sky hole. Yeah, okay. And you landed on on a planet. Yeah. Where people can taste colors. Okay. Groovy. So do you do you think that you would spend all day tasting colors? Well, I mean, maybe actually. Like if yeah. it was the first time I tasted a color, but I probably would do it. You know, for a while, but not that long. 
But you'd probably also understand like social cues and stuff. And if you looked yeah. around and no one else was doing it in a weird way all the time. In private, on the for the first few days, I would just be like gobbling up every colour I could to see what they yeah. would taste like. But I imagine that wouldn't really take that long. And then no. beyond that, I'd just, yeah, try to... Also, if my plan was to blend in because I was escaping the oppressive regime of the cruel Emperor Savard, yeah. then, yeah, I mean, I would... I would I would try and blend in with humans because mm. either Savard is going to find you yeah. or it, because remember he's relentlessly searching because with, yeah. I, I am the in this situation I am the most dangerous freedom fighter yeah al- alive or the humans are going to arrest him um, and, for yeah. all of the uh, cocaine that he's taking which on yes. Zircalon is a harmless uh, <laughs> a harmless staple that everyone needs to live yeah but that's on, true <laughs> but on earth is a controlled class A substance <laughs> But at least this planet has an abundance of that substance we need to live. Cocaine. Cocaine. <laughs> Maybe Zircolonians need cocaine to live. Yeah. And Cosmo wouldn't really be acting this way if he had his Zircolonian body. He doesn't want to be acting this way, but unfortunately the cocaine he needs to live is yeah. running riot through his human <laughs> his system. Human physiology reacts very differently to the pound of cocaine he takes a day. <laughs> to, the, to the five bricks he has to eat for breakfast. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, Cosmo talks about missing their home as well. Don't worry, Ariel. There was truly nothing like a great day of floating, the one Zircolonian activity, expanding in the heat, contracting when it cools off. But if they ever go back there, he'd be imprisoned forever in a frozen cube. <laughs> yeah. It's so much. It's like, oh, you know, there's nothing like expanding and shrinking and floating around and you're thinking okay yeah they haven't really thought very much about this sci-fi premise yeah all that they do is float and then he just throws it it, like a grenade into that needless to say if i go back i'll be imprisoned in a frozen cube so cubes imprisoned frozen huge concepts to introduce for for a, a planet that is literally just gasped bubbles and spaceships um cosmo says that life on earth is great you can do or be whatever you want and to illustrate this point he pulls out a ventriloquist dummy um and starts making it talk how can you not love a world with this horrible dummy in it he asks his upset daughter (laughs) let ariel go home (laughs) luckily though in their desperate unplanned flight from the laser ships of emperor zavad yeah they carried huge amounts of diamonds with them despite not with them being incorporeal gas (laughs) Yes. So he, now yes. he's set up an e-commerce site. <laughs> so Cosmo Gola has a website where he sells diamonds online. If you met, if you met Cosmo Cola, you'd talk to him for one second and think, well, he's on cocaine. Then you'd find out that his business is selling diamonds, and you'd think, well, he's clearly a, ma- a master criminal. Yeah, I. I probably don't want him around my daughter he sells diamonds and is clearly high all of the time he's got like he's, he's got diamonds piled up on his desk like and again we keep going back to this but but like scarface's big pile of coke right <laughs> yeah right. he's just sort of like smashing his face yeah. into big piles of diamonds we saw yeah. them leave zircalon they, they didn't get they didn't have any diamonds they on didn't them have they were diamonds gas on them balls they, they were gas balls just gas balls 
So he's like, of course, the diamonds that are in abundance on Zircalon. We saw Zircalon. There were no diamonds. Maybe the portal that they went through was a portal to their home where they had a bug out bag full of <laughs> bug out diamonds and some like artificial hands they could use to pick them up. <laughs> yeah, artificial. Yeah, sort of like grabber claw machines yeah. that they could operate psychically. Yeah, and also he's um, I don't know what Earth. what kind of diamonds these are, but he's selling 20 of them for $4,000, which doesn't seem very much. And also his website, he's misspelled the word crater. (laughs) Really? That's a good spot. So yeah, good job. Good job, Cosmo. (laughs) Cosmo's Diamonds is the name of his website. Would you buy diamonds from cosmosdiamonds.com? Do you want a diamond? It's $100 for it. Uh, Seems like it should be more. Why is it so cheap? Uh, It came out of a cratar. Because on Zircalon, (laughs) the diamonds flow (laughs) like water. Oh, Okay. (laughs) I might just, yeah, I might, I might just, just go to the mall and might see what just they go got to there. A jewelers, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Ariel misses her gas boyfriend. Uh, can I call him daddy? He would never betray us, she says. But then suddenly, serious, uh, Cosmo drops the bombshell that Fanul is in fact the son of the Emperor Savad, and as such, it is not possible. I miss Fanul so terribly, Daddy. Please, may I communicate with him? He would not betray me. I know that he would not. Fanul is the son of the Emperor Savad. You are my daughter. It is not possible. But daddy... I'm sorry, Ariel. Look what a beautiful day it is, Ariel! What I've written down here is that there is no part of me that wants to see any more about Megan or her life. You want to learn about the desperate flight for freedom of... uh, Cosmo Cola. I want to know Empress about Lab. the. I want to know about the sort of young adult, teen romance that was that was kicking off between Sawe Ariel, real name Sawiza, Sawiza, and Fanul. Fanul. Where, where like her dad is a freedom fighter, and his dad yeah. is the cruel Emperor Savard that the dad is trying to overthrow. Like well, as a. As Ariel, I mean, so in the very in the very next scene, Ariel's head is a big CGI bubble in a sink, and she <laughs> uh, she laments the loss of her Fanul and says it's just like the tragic story of Glabber and Grockno, the two star-crossed bubbles. <laughs> Glabber and Grockno, the two star-crossed bubbles. We, oh yeah, we have oh Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, we've actually got something like that, but of course we call it yeah. Glabber and Grockno. <laughs> Glabber and Grockno, and also she's out of her human body. She's a bubble in a sink wait wait this didn't occur to me when i was watching but having established that she is puppeting a human form does this mean that there's a sort of ragdoll flopped corpse with its head with a hole in its head like on the floor more distressingly she has to sort of climb into a um like a cage Uh, lock herself in throw the key across the room and then the gas can leave and she can go around as gas while the desperate real ariel pounds on the cage unable to leave Oh Maybe my she's gosh. not even dead. Maybe she's imprisoned inside in the sunken place. Oh my gosh! Wow. Yeah. So every time she goes into the sink, yeah, she has to like lock the, she has to lock the, yeah, lock the door, lock the actual body, so that so, yeah, so the aerial. It can't be. Down. She can't be puppeteering a dead body. It would like decompose, right? The other thing that's well, well, maybe as long as, maybe as long as she's some in gas it, is in it. There's a lot of gas in it. You know the phrase that's just gas escaping the corpse. This is gas invading the corpse. <laughs> Well, kids, you've heard the expression. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so, you heard the expression, let's get busy. 
<laughs> well, this is a corpse that gets gassy. Gets busy. <laughs> This is a corpse that gets corpse that gets fizzy. The other thing that yes, the, yes. So the other thing that's odd about this is that when we see her floating in a bathroom sink in bubble form, mm. firstly the size. So she is the, <laughs> she's like the size of a bowling ball. So from this yeah. we are to infer that the spaceships on Zircalon are roughly the size of a bowling ball, also yep. like quite little. The sink is full of pink liquid. I don't know what this is, and we don't know where it comes from. It seems almost like the the bubbles create them sort of spew out this liquid. Maybe this is like how they excrete waste. Yeah. I mean, that would be a good way to do it. If you're floating in a cloud city, you could just, you know, like a bird, yeah. poop out some pink goo out of your bubble cloaca. It's just a sort of jet of pink liquid. Yeah, it just fires yeah. out a few times a day. We come back to her in her bedroom writing a diary. This just gets better um, and better. She starts talking about the beauty and majesty of her Zircalonian heritage. And to demonstrate this, she sort of jigs around singing, Zircalon, oh Zircalon, she sings dance across the moon. <laughs> so she does, a, she does a sort of flowy dance. Zircalon, Zircalon, bubbles dance across the moon. Zircalon, Zircalon, make us free, will you soon? Zircalon, Zircalon, bubbles dance across the moon. Zircalon, Zircalon, make us free, will you soon? What? Make us free, will you soon? Well, how, again, how are they not free? They talk about... Make us free. Floating. One, one day, we floating bubbles who do nothing but just float about <laughs> and expand and contract in the heat yep. will we be will free. We will float sideways. <laughs> we, will one go, day. we will go sideways. One day. Floating sideways will no longer be reserved for the political elite. <laughs> Everyone will be able to float sideways. Exactly. Just Only the emperor and his truly. cronies. Yeah. Yeah. Behind closed doors, you know, they're all going sideways. They're all going sideways at their debauched sideways floating parties. <laughs> the honest man on in the air oh has to... He gets imprisoned for it, doesn't he? He gets frozen in a cube. Frozen in a cube. Frozen in a cube. Now, now, look, listener, I know it sounds like we're sort of getting hung up on this, but I just want you to know that we've actually... There's so much to unpack here that we've actually skipped over a scene where they go outside and the wind starts blowing and they both flee back inside the house because there is no time. Yeah. There, there is so much in this. That's just re-establishing that they they fear the wind. They fear um, the wind. It, it, this plays into Cosmo and the mum's relationship because we see Cosmo explaining how he met um, the mum to Ariel um, occasionally causing uh, occasionally pausing to drink root beer which makes his voice go alien for one sentence. Yeah. Um, so it's I, clear that he's, he's smitten because of the mum's immunity to wind. Um, she yeah. was like not even bothered by it and he couldn't imagine someone so brave someone cool. so brave and so free as he explains this he's like pouring dr pepper on cornflakes um, yeah because he can't do anything normally ariel is unimpressed her mum is barely dissipated um but cosmo says i will cherish the memories of your mother's gas but we live here now and i think we need to make a life here with other humans ariel pleads uh, but yeah he says your mother was an extraordinary bubble ariel but it's it's time for daddy to you know, figure out how this whole scenario works down here. Out, yeah, he's flush with the thrill of having genitals, isn't he? That's what's oh, happening. And he just here. wants to use them at every opportunity. Yeah, he's like he's he's been a gas bubble. Now, Gen- yeah, a genitalless. There are probably gas many sensual pleasures associated with being a gas bubble, and I'm <laughs> sorry that I just said sensual, sensual pleasures. <laughs> you, you didn't need to say pleasures that way. Pleasures, didn't I? Sensual Sens- pleasures. You try and say it. 
not like that. Sensual pleasures. Sensual pleasures. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> there are many sensual pleasures associated pleasures. with being a gas bubble. Um, floating, for example. Floating, for example. Uh, floating up. Floating up, floating Expanding, down. Expanding, contracting. Maybe if you're invited to one of the Emperor's debauch parties, maybe even floating sideways. Shh, someone will hear you. Floating sideways while other bubbles just watch. But the point is that he's going on a date with the mum and then we get the montage of dates from Cosmo's perspective. So it's him picking up trash from the floor, like an old Viking helmet or a bubble machine. And then he's like, I'm off to the date. Uh, So, yes, tonight's the night, Ariel. We're going to Kathy's house to meet her children. This brings us back to the present. The, Mm -hmm. The bifurcated narrative has brought us into back to the point where Ariel is hiding under the car when the rewind yeah. occurred and we now switch back to megan's pov exhaustingly megan tr- manages to coax her out um uh she comes into the house and trevor fires his toy blaster at her thinking she's an alien um so she freaks out and runs off megan follows her to the bathroom are you okay you're all wet I fell in the sink. I think the idea here is that Ariel hates her human body so much that she can't bear to be in it for more than a few moments before having to like run to the bathroom and bubble up. Become a bubble in the sink. Become a bubble in the sink. a few seconds and then go back into her body. But her body becomes wet when she does that for some reason. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) Maybe... Maybe Again. the sort of suddenly suddenly freed from the sunken place yeah, yeah. actual girl, I don't know, tried to scramble out of the window. Yeah, maybe, well, maybe she tried to, yeah, yeah, she tried to scramble out the window and fell into the shower and the shower yeah, turned on. The shower went yeah. on and then she had to club her unconscious and get back in the mouth hole. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. You can see why she's not loving it here. Exactly. Um, so Megan goes to find Ariel some dry clothes. This film, on the one hand... You've got a sci-fi premise that is so... They've thought about it so much it, it, to the extent that there's, like, a cruel emperor. Yeah. But but also just, like, sometimes you'll emerge soaking wet and it's not explained. And yeah. it, it's and just, you're a bubble in a sink for some reason. Yeah. So anyway, what happens to the body when you're a bubble in the sink? So Megan goes to find Ariel some dry clothes. Megan and Ariel aren't really getting along um, at this point, and it's because Ariel is being extremely weird. Uh, yep. She drinks She drinks a lot of root beer and is speaking in her alien voice, her sort of weird high-pitched robot alien voice, which Megan immediately notices. Megan turns on a hairdryer and Ariel panics again because it's yeah, wind. she cringes back from the wind machine. And she recoils. Uh, she's sort of talking weird and alien-like. Um, yep. Cosmo, it's quite clear that your daughter is not ready for this. You brought mm-hmm. her out of the house too soon. But he, I mean, he's having hot dogs and loving it. So, yeah, you know. Um, yeah, he's he, piling he like mind. coleslaw and toppings onto this gigantic hot dog. He screams, I love food. Mm-hmm. I guess he's flush with the human experience of diarrhea, which he won't have had before. So <laughs> yeah. he's just enjoying that, how that feels. Yeah, it's just a sort of rare novelty for him. Yeah, Ariel states yeah. that she doesn't like food. It's messy. And then Megan says Ariel's on that new root beer diet. And in voiceover, Ariel says that's when she knew that Megan Larson was to be feared and despised. Kathy and I have something we'd like to tell you. Megan, Trev, Ariel, Cosmo and I know we both come from very different worlds. And that we haven't known each other for very long. But when two beings, uh, people, feel about each other the way we do, 
Well, we just have to follow our hearts. And even though this might seem really sudden... Congratulators, kids! We're engaged! They come from very different worlds and haven't known each other very long, and this dinner has been, been a disaster, but they've decided they're getting married. Decided to press uh, on. <laughs> yep. We cut, we cut back to Megan narrating, which is a bit confusing. Yeah. Um, but she's telling her mother that Cosmo is, quote, the freak of all time. Like he's some insane clown or something. <laughs> and she doesn't want to be part of his insane clown posse. <laughs> so. Trevor thinks that he's an alien. We get it, Trev. We yeah. get it. Yeah, so Megan isn't impressed with Cosmo or yeah. Ariel. Trev says of Ariel, I think she's pretty. I've yeah. written down. Starting to add another layer of weirdness yeah. to this whole thing. You're going to have to stow that sort of talk, Trev, because she's <laughs> going to be your sister. So... <laughs> So um, Megan's yeah. not into the idea, basically. Um, the mum says, I'd never marry anyone you really hated, but I am marrying Cosmo, who you who really you hate. Really hate. <laughs> um, yeah, she says, maybe you and Ariel could try to get along a little bit better. Uh, oh, Ariel likes to sing, says the mum. Maybe you could make music together. And, you know, says, you've got to remember that Ariel, she lost her mother to Empress of Art's gunships. Yeah. <laughs> she she hit a space rock and popped. She doesn't say to Empress of Art's gunships because that's still a secret, but that yeah. is remember how Ariel lost her mother in this film that they put on the Disney Channel. <laughs> so Megan feels bad. She's like, okay, I'll try. And her mum says, good, because you both uh, start uh, being at school tomorrow. Yeah. Um, Luke, just, uh, sorry, I just want to stop the podcast yeah. for a second here. Fine. Um, I think I've turned off the mic, so I don't think the audience will good. hear okay, any of this. Good, okay, great. Yeah. Um, tell, tell me slightly, em- slightly embarrassing medical oh, problem. Oh, no. what is it? Um, so I occasionally turn into a sort of pink ball of gas with a face and a haircut. Okay. Um, is, that, is that normal? Well... It's not normal here on Earth, Andy. There's a place where you would be accepted with open arms as long as you were floating in the appropriate direction. I see. Where where would that be? Well, that place is Zircalon. But unfortunately... Uh, I don't have a teleportation matrix grid device. You can't go there. So what I would recommend is finding an Earth doctor and asking them Mm. to transplant you into the body of a human. I see. You need a full body transplant. Can I choose the human or would they maybe have a receding hairline and a goatee and sort of dress like an insane clown? The, do- the doctor will certainly have a, a store of cadavers that you can choose from. <laughs> I can choose. Yeah. Sort of mix and match. Yes, exactly. Frankenstein style. Yeah. Yeah. But how to okay. find a doctor with, <laughs> yeah. with a cupboard full of cadavers? Can you advise me? <laughs> Well, if you do live in, in, in the US, Andy, and I would, if, if the microphones were on, I would urge our listeners to, to check this out as well. But of course, they're not, they're off. Uh, yeah, they're not, they're off. But, it's but, but if they were on, I would urge them to check out ZocDoc. It's the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun, or indeed the, the quad suns of Zircalon. <laughs> the four suns of Zircalon. Um, so, okay, so you're, what you're saying, Luke, is if I went to ZocDoc.com slash MCC and downloaded the ZocDoc app for free, yes. I could find and book a top-rated doctor today, um, many of whom are available within 24 hours. Yeah, and frankly, I wouldn't wait, because here on Earth we have so many pointy objects, pins, yeah. gateposts, things like that, that you could easily be popped on. Sure. So you're going to want to find a doctor using ZocDoc quickly and get them to stuff you inside a human human form. Yeah. So okay. So yeah. I will go to zocdoc.com slash mcc. That's zocdoc.com slash mcc before I burst.
So we cut to school. They're riding to school together. Ariel's all quirky. She has a bike with stabilizers and an American football helmet. Uh, she drives into the bike rack and takes a sort of huge forward uh, flip bump onto yes, her back. Right over, right over the handlebars. Megan is like, oh my goodness, how embarrassing. She's going to be Everyone will think stop. that they're dorks because Ariel has hurt herself quite badly. Mm. But it turns out everyone's into it. Hey, guys. Hey, Megan. Who's your friend? Um, this is Ariel. She's not really my friend. How do you guys know each other? Through our parents. Ariel's from the Yukon. Oh, the Yukon. Cool. So, like, Ariel, do you like skiing? I like bubbles and I like gas and I'm calm by water. Cool. Can't argue with any of those. Megan's friend Mikey um, thinks that it's because Ariel is gorgeous. Uh, Megan disagrees. And then Mikey, uh, her friend, says to Megan, you must feel so inferior. (laughs) That's Um, nice. Um, (laughs) Mikey says that the way that Ariel dresses is so original, so fresh. Bear in mind that like her father, she's just dressed weird like an alien who doesn't know how clothes work. Or like someone who got fired uh, through a thrift shop from a cannon. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Mikey is like, Megan, I know we've been friends for a long time, but like everyone else in the school, I am in, enthralled by Ariel. So I'm going to go and try and be friends with her now. So I'm dissolving this friendship yeah. and uh, yeah, so, re-establishing one with Ariel. Exactly. So, so in, in like two hours, Ariel has completely usurped Megan's entire life. Yeah, exactly. So she, she moses over and says, uh, hey, Ariel, why do you wear so many layers? And Ariel says, I'm trying to protect my essence. And all the kids are like, wow, wow, awesome. Um, Ariel is also doing really, really great in class. There's a maths problem that she effortlessly solves. Yeah, right. Yeah. So they're in class. Okay. Yeah. And the teacher asks, what is the volume of of this swimming pool? Megan doesn't know. Ariel, who is a ball of gas from a planet with no water, (laughs) does some complicated maths and presents (laughs) the answers in kiloliters, an obsolete measurement equal to one cubic meter. (laughs) On Zircalon, we observe... (laughs) Kiloliters. How did she? How does she know how to calculate the volume of a swimming pool? She doesn't know what a swimming pool is. There's again, Zircalon is a sky yeah planet. Why There's are no water. aliens always good at maths? There's nothing inherent about the a- her being an alien, her being a gas bubble that would make her good at high school maths it's not like if megan went to gas bubble school on zircalon and they were like what is the weight of the human brain she would be like ah i know exactly because i have a weighty fleshy human brain it makes no sense a classmate describes ariel as the full uh the full-on goodwill hunting which you know is just the kind of typical thing that an american teen will say yeah uh just yeah kid kids love goodwill hunting and the writers yeah know how to relate to children exactly so uh, at lunch all the kids are talking about ariel one heard her iq was 300 another heard she dated prince william yeah a third heard that she tutored bill gates um mikey uh who's hanging out with megan they're kind of watching this from afar mikey even says that you know what wind is kind of scary in a way so the whole school is coming around to everything ariel um, yeah. at the cool girl table all the cool popular girls are fawning over ariel um who I have to say, this is I just love Tamara Hope's performance all through this film, but particularly in the school stuff because she like she observes this whole day with a sort of like glassy-eyed melancholia, like she just <laughs> yes. she's just sort of dispassionately, but but like slightly sadly, like as if you know it's she says everything as if she's sort of got the conversation going, but most of her brain is remembering seeing her mother exploded yeah. under a hail of 
gunfire from Sebastian. Yeah, gunship. she's like like a condemned man being yes. asked to sort of yes. take part in a birthday party. Yes, it's like what, that's the kind of vibe yeah. she's giving. Up. What do you want for your last meal? Oh, I don't know. So Megan is like following Ariel, trying to figure out what her whole deal is. Ariel sort of vanishes into the bathrooms at school, um, and Megan finds her in the bathroom, whispering sweet nothings to a big bubble that she's holding in her hands. Oh, Fenugal. How I miss you, my darling Fenugal. Are you talking to that bubble, Ariel? That bubble, as you so patronizingly call it, is the love of my life. (sighs) What a poet she is. She is not a poet. She's possessed. I was a bit confused here. I was like, is this bubble actually Fenugal? But it's just a big soap bubble. It's just a big soap bubble that I guess looks like Fenugal. Yeah. Because he was a bubble. It would be like, like if you else. went to live on the gas bubble planet and you saw a big vegetable that was in the shape of <laughs> in the shape of your wife from back home. Found a discarded mannequin and started kissing you it. Might, you might love on it. You might smooch it and stuff a Just little bit. Just love it a bit. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Um, um, so yeah, now everyone at school is dressed like an idiot, like Ariel. Yeah, they're um, all dressed like with this weird pink eccentric multiple yeah. layers kind of style. But the worst part was yet to come, says Megan. Now... Megan has to teach Ariel how to windsurf. Mm. Um, she doesn't want to do it because Cutter might be there. And also Ariel is terrified of the wind. Yeah. So yeah. We're, we're at the beach and the windsurfing lesson is about to take place. Ariel says for the millionth time, I fear the wind. As if to say, why am I windsurfing? Windsurfing. I fear the wind. <laughs> so, so, but Megan's like, oh, you know what? I've, I've not got time for this. You're really annoying. You're such a drag. What a pill. So she goes out on the water. She's nuking it like big time. She's, you know, yeah, carving she's up. Going Richter at back door. She's, yeah, Richter at back door, hitting ramp after ramp. Um, yeah. But then, horror of horrors, she looks over her shoulder back at shore and sees, oh no. Cutter, the object of her affection, is on the beach and he's talking to Ariel. This causes Megan to violently fling herself from her windsurf board into the sea. <laughs> yeah. This... And she says, from that moment on, diary, it was war. This is, and now the film, like Kurosawa-like, <sighs> rewinds <sighs> again to show us everything that just happened, but yeah. this time from Ariel's perspective. So It's been we... a long time since Rashomon and we've had time to sort of perfect the... yeah. The, the techniques yes, exactly yeah yeah kurosawa would weep if he could, could see, this. <laughs> see this is the film i meant steps to make from planet weird <laughs> yeah so steps samurai from planet rational yeah so so we see all the high school stuff from ariel's perspective um she is baffled and sad to see humans so impressed by her and branding her a revolutionary yeah. Um, although of course at school other kids are like crashing their bikes into the rack on purpose yeah to imitate know. us they're all like hurting yeah. themselves it's like when Power Rangers was cool in school and everyone's doing like everyone's kicking each other yeah. hard in the chest everyone was transforming into a Mastodon Zord <laughs> <laughs> in the... yeah exactly yeah the teachers had to ban it <laughs> they're like the teacher used to say hand in your power coins and your morphers children and you always say, you put them in a box and then you got them back at the end of the lesson, didn't you? Yeah. So you and couldn't turn into a Mastodon Zord during maths. Yeah, or... Obviously, the first thing I would do as soon as I was outside the school gates was morph into my Mastodon and sure. you trundle And home. then you and, you and three or four other friends would form yeah, up. Yeah, we'd form up. And, you know, because Power Rangers was real, but Rita Repulsa wasn't. So there was nothing to do. <laughs> there was nothing to fight. There was nothing to do. We would just be all big for a while. <laughs> Yeah, so we would, like, use the incredible power of the uh, Megazord to, like, throw rocks really far and stuff. Yeah, annoy our parents. Kick a duck. Yeah. (laughs) 
atomizer duck. <laughs> uh, we see the windsurfing scene um, as Megan surfs off. Um, yeah. We see it from Ariel's perspective. This flashback um, has caught up really quickly. Yeah, it's um, to be fair to the film, it doesn't like it could have gone like through everything again in a really boring way, but it does like zoom through the stuff. Yeah. So we see the windsurfing scene from Ariel's perspective. To be She's worried. Unfair to the film. It's so brief that they may as well just not have they done it. They may as well have not done it. Yeah, that's yeah. that is that is fair. But uh, so um, yeah, we're caught up back to the windsurfing. Yeah. So uh, Ariel is worried for Megan being blown about on the water. Um, despite, I mean, it must. It's pretty clear to her and her dad by now that humans aren't affected by the wind in the same way as Zircolonians, but it doesn't. this information doesn't seem to stick. Yeah, I mean, like, y- you can still be scared of the wind. Like, people who are scared of spiders aren't like, oh no, I must stop a spider from s- crawling on someone else's hand. I must save this zookeeper from a spider. Because, like, yeah. people who have phobias largely are aware that the phobia is, you know, yeah. not necessarily rational. But Ariel, yeah, she can't get this through her gas head. So... She walks into the sea to try and rescue Megan from windsurfing. Uh, yeah, and then that's when Cutter, Cutter approaches. Yeah, um, with all his Gary Boosie charm. I intended to rescue Megan Larson. Oh, yeah, she's fine. What is your interest in this disgusting bag of skin on, Hypercutter? Whoa, 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 Ariel, that is way harsh. I mean, I don't think it's disgusting. I think it's very undisgusting, in fact. That is because you inhabit a bag of skin, too. Okay, I guess I do. What's the alternative? I wish to be gas. Pure gas. <laughs> That's one weird ambition. So, like, uh, you want to be my girlfriend? It's probably the best line in the film. What is your interest in this disgusting bag of skin I inhabit? Mm-hmm. I love that line so much. Um, I've highlighted it in my Google Doc and put a little comment, and the comment says merch question <laughs> mark. <laughs> well, <laughs> would you buy a T-shirt, Andy, that said, "What is your interest in this disgusting bag of skin I inhabit?" I mean, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, there's a line that almost immediately follows this, um, where Ariel says, "As we say on Zircalon, the clag really hit the drawn." <laughs> <laughs> which so, I think is, you know, okay. equally strong. So. As we say on Zircalon, the clag really hit the dron. We know that this means the shit hit the fan. So, mm-hmm. on Zircalon, they have shit and fans. <laughs> but fans produce wind, so Which they can't they would have hate. fans. Also, or maybe it's a weapon. we know what their clag is. It's pink goo that they've mm-hmm. void out of their bubble several yeah. times a day. So, yeah, so that's what clag is. So, in a sort of... This movie is like a Rosetta Stone, and we're sort of piecing together Zircalonian <laughs> society from okay this twice translated hypothesis. Zircalon okay. is real. Yeah, Zircalonians are real. They sure. came to Earth. They made this film. They want us to find them. Right. This is the, this film is the cl- this is the cl- these are the clues. The we are in su- Rosetta Stone. Yeah, we are supposed to follow the trail of breadcrumbs in this film, mm-hmm. and you know lead it back. It will lead us to the sky hole. We need to. What's that alien? Is it SETI? The alien thing where they're like beaming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to start beaming out words. Clag, drone, drone, zircalon, savard. Well, we don't want to call down yeah. savard. That would be no fenul. Fenul. Yeah. yeah. Fenul. So Weezer. It's at this point in the film as well that Ariel starts referring to Megan as evil Megan Larson, which I think is uh, is quite nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah Ariel gets all the good lines. Yeah. What evil is your Megan interest Larson. in this disgusting bag of skin I inhabit, Cutter? 
Yeah. So good. So Megan is livid um, because she thinks that Ariel is sort of deliberately entrancing Cutter, who who she fancies. Um, so they have a big row, but it turns yeah. out that Ariel, she realises that Ariel just wants to go home too. And in fact, their uh, desires are aligned. They both want their parents to split up and not get married. So they decide that they could hatch a scheme and work together to break up Cosmo and uh, Megan's mum. Exactly. Ariel says she wants to go home and leave this place with its solid objects and callous disregard for the natural dignity of bubbles. Solid objects like diamonds. Yeah, and spaceships. There aren't any of those on Fine, Zeppelin. fine. So, they realise that it would be better for their parents not to marry, and only at this point are we really getting to, like, the actual... The actual plot the of the film. The actual plot of the film. Yeah. So they, 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 they come up with a few wacky schemes to try and break up their parents. Um... The first part of the plan is that they volunteer to babysit little brother Trev. Megan says that they have to convince their parents that they're best friends. Um, yeah. So they take so so Megan and Ariel take Polaroids together and they sing a song about yeah. solids and gases together. They practice. Yep. Yeah, they practice talking about how close they are. Yeah. Um, please sample these extreme cookies we made, Daddy. Says Ariel. Also, please sample this music that they do. It's all right. It's okay. It's alright just to be me. It's solid or gas, liquid or stone. A friendship like ours, you're never alone. <laughs> that actually wasn't bad. I'm surprised to say I liked it as well. So the plan is, it's more complicated than it probably needs to be. The plan is each tells their parent that the other parent was like talking trash about them. So Megan tells her mom that Cosmo told Ariel... That what he likes about her is that she's sort of light and frivolous and insubstantial. Yeah, like airheaded, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So when we cut to the mum, she's she's made a very sophisticated meal of like fennel and risotto and roasted pear salad. And Cosmo's like, uh, where are the hot dogs? And then um, after dinner, she sort of reads out loud uh, the entirety of Hiawatha. (laughs) Yeah. With opera playing in the background. Uh, um, and then when Cosmo is distracted first by a spider and then by remembering that it's time for his game shows and then turning on the TV, but it's not game shows, it's Timon and Pumbaa. It's the farting section of The Lion King. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then they have a row. What about my mind, Cosmo? I've never seen your mind, Kathy. That is a very unkind thing to say, Cosmo Cola. Why are you acting like this, Kathy? Like what? Like the shrill and strident guest on a daytime TV show. Maybe it's because you're acting like an inconsiderate snob, Cosmo. I had no idea you could be such a termagant. Term of what? Termagant. Loud, obnoxious woman. This date is over. Kathy! Now, the next move is Ariel's. She's She is telling her dad, by the way, in this scene, they're both bubbles, that Kathy, uh, Megan's mom, only acted that way to test you and she needs to know that you can be a real man mm-hmm. cut two cosmo yep. is dressed as a cowboy they're out sure. on a date with kathy megan's mom he yep. keeps calling kathy little lady he announces his plans to watch football on tv all day sunday yep. he then threatens a waiter for looking at uh, kathy yep. orders a giant raw steak in a pizza parlor um the man explains they don't do steak so he says please bring me the manliest pizza you got and then he produces a cowboy ventriloquist dummy. The manliest asks, thing you could do. And asks the dummy if he's strong and dependable. The <laughs> dummy answers in the affirmative. 
And then he sweeps the mum off her feet and they start dancing to no music, knock over a waiter. <laughs> and a load of tables and stuff. Yeah. Aren't you sick, Andy, of the patriarchy, toxic masculinity telling you that you have to have a little cowboy ventriloquist dummy? <laughs> the sort of, you know, the sort of the stereotype of the macho man. Yeah. You know, the breadwinner yeah. who um, is the head of the household and always producing yeah. a tiny cowboy ventriloquist. Don Draper with his little ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> You know, you know, back when men men were men, you know, we're talking John Wayne, exactly, Clint Eastwood with his little tiny with his Clint Eastwood little ventriloquist, ventriloquist dummy. dummy, yeah, yeah, sort of these icons of masculinity, exactly, and they're they're smaller wooden icons of ventriloquist masculinity. It's time to deconstruct these ideas. Um, yeah, you know, we can do without it. I want to see more men on screen who don't have a little ventriloquist <laughs> dummy. Now you're dreaming. <laughs> so, so anyway, the plan is working. The girls are watching this. They're sort of in the cafe also, just watching the date from a short mm-hmm. distance. Um, they're, they're kind of bonding. They say that maybe they have misapprehended each other. But uh-oh, yeah. to their horror, now Cosmo and the mum are having a mature conversation, uh, talking about their emotions, and they realise between them that the daughters have uh, worked together to manipulate them. So now everyone is in trouble. <laughs> Shame and ignominy. I've disgraced myself and my family all for my own selfish reasons. No, Ariel, Ariel, don't cry. We know this isn't easy. We understand, don't we, Cos? Of course we do. I guess it's not easy being an alien. It's not easy being an alien, says Trevor, fulfilling his one purpose in this film. (laughs) Uh, And then we cut to Ariel in her bedroom. She can endure this no longer, she says. She's going to contact Fanul. Using her gold finger writing... Uh, which, incidentally, that can't be an alien power because aliens don't have hands. Um, oh, you're right. She's just a gas ball, it, so I don't know what that it is. Looks like, um, it looks like Lord of the Rings script. It's yes, like the, it's exactly yeah. the One Ring writing. Yeah, it's the glowing writing from inside the One Ring. That's what she's sort of conjuring. It's like yeah. conjuring the, the, the black speech of Mordor in the air. So um, <laughs> so she, yeah, she writes in... She's contacting Fanul. Yeah, she says, um, please come save me from this horrid place, she writes in Skywriting, which sort mm-hmm. of gets beamed out the window. P.S. You must not tell your father, the Empress of Art, where we are. <laughs> Incidentally, like, if I were trying to think of a way to send a, a secret message, probably Skywriting is the last option I would go to. Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't think the Empress of Art has gas bubbles stationed on the perimeter of Zircalon waiting to intercept Lord of the Rings <laughs> writing? Looking up in the sky and just written in uh, white uh, clouds in the sky is Fanul. Do not tell Fanul your father, res- the Emperor Savad. Also, it says rescue us from this horrid place, but there aren't directions. Yeah. So I, I guess, I don't know. I, it, there's probably metadata in the message that has coordinates to Earth. The next thing that happens is a sort of kind of bedroom farce party scene. But I think we yeah. should breeze through it because I don't know about you, Andy, but I want to know what happens when Fanul gets this message. I think it's pretty cruel of the film to have yeah. this message be sent to Fanul. P.S. Don't tell the evil Emperor Savard where we are. And then for the mm-hmm. film not to immediately resolve that because who wants to see anything else? OK, so let's just go over this real quick. It's Megan's plan B. She, th- she thinks that if the parents uh, fall in love with other people, they'll not get married. Yes. Which, again, it's like her point is she doesn't want her her mum to marry um, Cosmo because he's a, a weirdo. But she's trying to like set him, her up with like her dad, who was an asshole. 
Yeah. It doesn't matter. Anyway, they're having a party. Um, they're inviting Serena Sue to um, get off with Cosmo and they're inviting uh, <laughs> the dad. their workaholic dad who her mum hates to get off with To get off with the mum. Yeah, they have this sort of sweet, sweetly naive idea that if they can just get these adults into a room, they will like... Yeah, let chemistry take over, says uh, Megan. Yeah, so, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, typically if you get divorced parents in a room together for one minute, yeah. especially if and one of them is with their new partner, sure. chemistry will take over and they will get back together. Yeah. Um, to get Trev to play along, um, she opens a drawer and produces a oh. printed plan to take over oh. the world. She says to Trevor, you're right, he is an alien, but dun, 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 a bad one. And then bad look, and she, and she pulls a sheaf of papers from her bedside table, I think it is, like... And and this is where he left it. Yeah, this is where he left it. <laughs> and verbatim, it says, "My plan to take over the world by Cosmo Cola, Chapter One: Eat Trevor." <laughs> Which is so good. The, big, the biggest roadblock is definitely going to be Trevor. So first things first, before any other part of the plan. Chapter One: Eat Trevor. This not even kill Trevor. <laughs> eat, eat Trevor. Eat Trevor. This will give me the quick energy I need to get to Washington D.C. Eat Trevor to gain his courage. <laughs> Eat Trevor to show the president I'm serious. <laughs> you would, you won't do it, Cosmo Cola. Oh no, I just ate Trevor. I did, no, not, not, not Trevor. Trevor. Stand down, men. Stand down, F-16s. Earth has fallen. Secret Service Agent Sim, stand down. Oh, you're, you're, you, you did it hours ago. You're doing a wacky dance on the White House lawn. You're being slowly digested by a snake. By a snake? You're being eaten feet first by a snake. So what else is great about this scene is that Trevor reads this plan, which says chapter one, eat Trevor. And then yeah. in maybe like some of the best acting in an already, in a film that's full of good acting, I think, a terrified Trevor absorbs this information and simply mm-hmm. looks up and says... What do I need to do? <laughs> With a kind of steely determination. Yeah. I'm not getting eaten. <laughs> but the, the point of getting Trevor on board is that um, the dad is coming around to pick them up because it's his weekend to have the kids. But Trevor is going to act sick so that he has to stay at the house and uh, attend the party. It's very convoluted. Um, things backfire a bit. It seems like the dad and Serena Sue are a lot more into each other um, than uh, the girls were expecting. And then uh, it, it all descends into a big food fight and they're all spraying seltzer bottles at each other in a way that doesn't really need to be explained or sort of gone into in any detail. Yeah, you don't really need to know what's happening except Serena Sue in this in in the melee eat, chokes on another fly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as the sort of the, uh, the seltzer fight that closes this scene goes on, uh, Megan looks over at Ariel and she sort of starts rippling. And then runs off. Megan chases her to the bathroom, lets herself in, and sees that Megan is in the sink and is a big bubble with a face. She's bobbing around in bubble form. She runs out screaming, she has no body, she's like a blob. Yeah. And Megan has realised like, mm-hmm. the terrifying truth. Trev was right. She's an alien. And then... So we cut to a, th- a therapist's office. office and a, Kathy, I think that's mom. a funny smash cut. Yeah. So the psychiatrist is asking Megan, Megan... Maybe you think that your stepsister-to-be is an alien, perhaps because sometimes you feel like an alien sometimes. <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah. tells the mum, go, go ahead with the wedding. Smash cut yeah. two, wedding dress. Mum is in a wedding dress. Yeah, we're moving quickly now through the film. Yeah. Um, so mum's getting ready to get married. She's getting into her wedding dress. And Megan is there pleading with her. Mum, he's an alien. 
Megan says, yeah. you promised you wouldn't marry him if I really didn't like him. Maybe to the extent that I had a total mental breakdown over yeah. it and started insisting and the, he was an alien. Yeah. And then the mum says, Megan, if I for one second thought your fears were justified, <laughs> but they're not. So shut the f*** up. <laughs> if I for one second thought he was an alien, I wouldn't marry him. Well, I would <laughs> hope so, mum. That's not really the point, though, is it? The point is that she, your, your daughter thinks he's an alien and is very upset. Megan yeah. says, do you think I'm going crazy? And mum says unhelpfully, we're all a little crazy around here. It's what makes us yeah. so special. Um, this marriage is going to make this family happy, she insists. Yeah. And then they love each other and hug. This is so harsh of Cosmo and Ariel to be found out by Megan and mm. then to be like, she's crazy. Whoa. Yeah, they're just gaslighting yeah. poor Megan. Quite literally gaslighting her because they are yeah. bubbles. They are gas. Yeah. yeah. So the film doesn't address it ever, but I think it's basically unforgivable. Cosmo is a Cos- Cosmo's an adult, you know? Yeah. He's a grown-ass man. You got found out. You're going to have to tell your wife to be at some point that you're actually a bubble because it's <laughs> yeah. because apart from anything else, it's not really fair to have Kathy marry you not knowing that at any moment the cruel Empress of Ard might fi- show up and kill everyone or imprison them in ice cubes. So, yeah. And also, you know, um, I assume he will have to submit some sort of paperwork for this marriage to be legal. Yeah. And that he doesn't have because he's a gas man from space. <laughs> There's a gas man. man. Yeah. This is- Floating side to side. <laughs> the emperor has seen him and now he hopes he dies. <laughs> so, so it is way harsh of Cosmo and Ariel. But never mind, we're not going to think about that because now the wedding is happening. Hooray! I love a wedding in any film, even this one. Um, It's on the lawn of their house, uh, which is sweet. So in the house, Ariel... Ariel Ariel isn't outside with everyone else. Yeah, Ariel is inside. Conspicuous by her absence. She's like collecting herself in the bathroom. She's like sort of Mm. summoning the courage to go out there and socialise. I'm sure we've all been in this situation at a wedding. But then... There is a sci-fi noise. Hello, Suiza. Is it possible? Is it? It is I, Fenul. Fenul, powerfully grateful I am to see Please, Suiza, such physical proximity is repulsive to me. Uh, I'm sorry, Fenul. A boy with very crispy tips. He says, in. hello, Suiza. It is I, Fenul. Mm. I am a sort of British prince archetype. Yeah, I'm with crispy tips. Very os- yeah, suddenly another man is there as well. It's the Empress Savant in human dun. form and also a suit. Yeah. Have you ever been frozen solid, Ariel? He says it can be reversed, but only at my pleasure. <laughs> at my pleasure. Please, you. Um, Emperor Savard explains to Ariel, "Your father is very dangerous to me, Suiza. Mm, he's floated on a horizontal plane." Yeah. He says. He wants change. Your father is very dangerous to me, Suiza. He wants change. What is our view of change, Nul? Change is bad. Things should and must stay exactly as they are. But change is not always bad, Emperor. Suiza. Already this planet has poisoned her mind. (laughs) He wants change to the featureless expanse of sky. (laughs) And then Ariel... In the film, just reminding you that there has been an arc and character growth, mm. says, sometimes 
change is okay. But Empress yeah. Savard is having none of it. He says that the planet has simply poisoned her mind and threatens yeah. to freeze her father forever unless yeah. she leads him to Cosmo Cola. Now, this is a this is a confusing plan because Empress Savard has said, if you don't lead me to your father, I will freeze your father forever. Yeah. So how are you going to freeze him if he? Yeah, you don't. Lead if him I to was him? Ariel, I would simply not lead Empress Savard to him, thereby preventing him from freezing him. <laughs> to be honest, he's like outside screaming about root beer and like, um, yeah, just being an attention-seeking idiot. That's so true. it wouldn't. It's not going to take him more than about ten seconds to find. Yeah, him. Savard doesn't need to work as hard as he is to to, yeah. to, to locate Cosmo. <laughs> Yeah, but then just to show that that he's serious, yeah. um, Serena Sue bursts in looking for the toilet. Um, she offers Ariel Savard some herbal gum because that's kind of her whole deal. Yeah, and then Empress Savard freezes her with an evil ray that freezes you. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, it's just an evil ray that freezes. It's just her. an evil ray that freezes. He her, uses yeah. yeah, so he has this handheld device. She's frozen in cubes. It looks like the force fields in David Lynch's Dune. <laughs> um, so. Ariel says, listen, Empress Savard, why don't you give humans a chance? Savard is, remains unimpressed and he goes... Yeah, he, he says, yeah. he says, what annoying creatures these earthlings are. Yeah. And Ariel says, maybe we are annoying. We! <gasps> we. She's thinking of herself as a she human She considers now. herself to be human. This yes. is such progress for Ariel. So Emperor Savard, in human form, God, I love this film, stomps <laughs> off to find Cosmo Cola, leaving yeah. an uneasy Fanul, remember, his in son, form. to guard the yeah. prisoner. Which yeah. is Ariel, the freedom fighter's gas daughter, and Serena Sue, <laughs> frozen in ice cubes. I love the frozen, this film so The frozen much. fraudulent psychic <laughs> is frozen in several cubes. Outside, Cutter arrives at the wedding. For some reason, it doesn't seem like he's been invited, but here he is. He's wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Which is um, how you know he's not been invited, really, isn't it? Yeah, I'd rather be windsurfing, he says to the bride's face. Yes, that's, um, that's Another man is delivering 92 cases of root beer. Yeah. Um, um, but then Cutter and Megan go off to find Ariel because she's not around and they need her for the wedding to, to progress. Yeah. So en route, um, Cutter bumps into the cruel Emperor Savard at the snacks table <laughs> because this is the <laughs> best yeah, film just, in the world. He's greasing the snacks table. <laughs> he's enjoying the sensual pleasure of, <laughs> of, potato, of crisps. potato crisps and dips. <laughs> All different dips. <laughs> to delight for the sentence. <laughs> Carrot sticks. Meanwhile, Megan finds Ariel in her room and also Fanul and the frozen Serena Sue. Fanul closes the door behind her in a sort of threatening way. Ariel explains to Megan that Cosmo, her father, is a great freedom fighter on Zircalon. Mm -hmm. Um with she doesn't give any more context aliens. for what it means to be a freedom fighter on Zircalon mm -hmm. and admits that they are aliens they came here yeah. to escape political oppression well megan, megan accepts this immediately which is yeah. well is, well is wild. megan must just be relieved she's not losing her mind yeah she did, i suppose she didn't true. imagine it she's like wow that is a bad situation that i immediately accept that, that i immediately i can grasp. help yeah i can help yeah yeah <laughs> i can help i can I, help your the political situation on Zircalon. you your a the alien gas bubble people are being oppressed by empress avard i can help I suppose mm -hmm. actually you can help because you have a unique opportunity to assassinate Emperor Savard before he returns to his home planet. Likewise, yeah, Ariel says that Megan is brave and fearless. So the, the girls have made yeah. friends. That's the main thing. So 
Um, the door opens and Empress Savad throws Cutter into the room. Yeah. Um, he says, watch this one too, Fanul, because I guess Cutter was um, uh, doing political dissidence <laughs> in the gun. So Cutter is now also in bedroom jail. How goes the yeah. war effort, Savad? Because... <laughs> So far, you've beamed down to Earth. You've, like, arrested two unrelated humans and failed to find the extremely, like, yep. obvious man who you're searching. I know that... But also, Cutter doesn't have any, like, weapons or anything. No. There's three of them. No. I think they could probably overpower also, him, to like, be honest. Also, like, it's not yeah. in the script, because I guess there wasn't money, and, and I get that. But, like, isn't it weird that Savada showed up without, like, any bodyguards or armies or, like, spaceships? He has a, a, a weird silver gun. Yeah, I suppose so. It's, you know, it's just, he is the leader. This is not the kind of op that you would be, like, doing yourself. Oh, wait, no, I figured it out. Back home, his armies are growing restless. They are looking for a resolution to the political conflict. Empress, oh, he wants to do a big show trial. Exactly. Of, e- yeah. yeah, Emperor Savard needs to remind everyone of his strength, of his cruelty, and that's why he's decided personally to bring in the, you know, public enemy number one. Yeah, and sort of a big yeah a big sham trial and then an execution yeah. yes he'll be popped with a big ceremonial pin <laughs> that should, in the town square that should silence savard's enemies yeah that should settle his hair so um so anyway outside again savard finds cosmo cola he's with young trev mm. uh, cosmo cola immediately recognizes emperor savard emperor savard says you've taken me far from home are you ready to pay for your crimes and trains his weapons on him. Cosmo puts yeah. down Trev suddenly very serious. He's not a fun clown man anymore. He tell we are, we are, with a glint in his eye we get a we get a we get a look at the sexy freedom fighter that he must be. <laughs> Instead of this clown man, he is on a cocaine clown. He puts down Trev, tells him to go play hide and seek Trev because he believes that he's about to die, I suppose. He's or, about to be executed yeah, with the silver gun for thing. his many yeah. colonial crimes. Back in yeah. bedroom jail, Cutter offers Fanul a mint. Mm. Fanul eats the mint with his earth mouth and loves yeah. it. <laughs> and then he says to Cutter that he finds Megan's brown head better than Ariel's yellow head. It's, oh, I guess we haven't even said this, so you wouldn't know. But Megan has brown hair, Ariel, ha- oh, Ariel is blonde. Has so that's hair, what that yeah. means. You know, I, I find I like Megan's brown head better than Ariel's yellow head. <laughs> I hear you, bro. You see, that's a Betty and Veronica thing. I mean, that's freedom of choice. Right on, bro. High five. And Cutter responds, uh, you know, in just what is a classic bit of teen dialogue. I hear you, bro. You see, that's a Betty and Veronica thing. You know, the, kid, the kids are really into the Archie comics from the 1950s. Yeah, I looked it up. Betty and Veronica, yeah, uh, started in the 40s, ceased publication in 1987. So why a year 2000s <laughs> teen like Cutter would be making that reference? I don't know. At, at most two years old when the comics yeah. ceased you know, publication. It's weird. It's almost like it's more the kind of reference that someone in their 40s would make. Yeah, sort of a 55-year-old decom writer. decom writer, potentially. Yeah. So anyway. Um, but, but yeah, he's, so he's into, he's into yeah. Megan. Megan has a plan to escape. Yeah, so she says to Fanul, oh, you must have a lot of power on your home planet, but don't you have any time for fun? Fanul says, well, my duties come first, but sometimes... <laughs> I'm allowed to do a very special activity. And I'm like, is it floating? And he says, that's right, power floating. <laughs> power float. Power float. Power float. So, maybe that's what they call floating side to side. It's the uh, the sort of taboo activity yeah, of the elite. Yeah, maybe that's yeah. the maybe that's the forbidden act. 
as the emperor's son, I am allowed to power float. I'm, I'm not to supposed to tell float. anyone because mm. we tell everyone that it's sinful. But the, uh, the the other kids are like, well, round here we have lots of free time and lots of activities such as skating, windsurfing, or riding a bike off a mountain and into a river and then whitewater rafting down the river. That's extreme. Yeah. That's, cu- that's Cutter's that's what suggestion. Cutter says. Cutter talks yeah. again about how he bladed down a mountain and we see that clip again of him. Yeah, we see the clip of him having a very bad accident. Yeah. Then Cutter goes on to describe all the different potato chips we have on Earth. Yep. 18 different flavours, if you can imagine, including yoghurt. Yep. Uh, Cutter sums up this potato chip um, screed by saying... This planet is all about freedom of choice. Not everywhere yep. it's not Cutter, but fine. <laughs> um, sure. Yep. People here have the freedom to fall down mountains. Yep. Um, and then they point out that Fanul's dad is a tyrant who doesn't want any freedom. Yeah. So maybe it's time you stood up to your father for freedom and liberty. Mm-hmm. Um, Ariel knows that Fanul is good and righteous. He looks at Megan and then he says, We're out of here, dudes. I can see why you like Fennel. He's kind of cute. I found him more appealing as a shimmering gas bag. It's like East Germany in the Cold War, seduced by the promise of Coca-Cola and American fashions. You know, he's like... like, yeah, the Lindy Hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's had his head turned by 13 different flavours of potato chips. And the possibility of falling down a mountain with rollerblades on your feet. Yeah, yeah. It's the American dream. So The American dream. Yeah, he's like, well, I won't... That's all I needed to lead a coup against my father. (laughs) We're out of here, dudes. So, meanwhile, outside, Savard is leading Cosmo to a portal, the same kind a of teleportation grid as before. He calls it. Um, he's he's created the portal. He sentences Cosmo and Ariel to eternal freezing, and then he yeah. does freeze Cosmo in ice cube blocks like the Dune uh, force yeah. fields. Trev sees this out the window. That's going to be important. Fanul rounds the corner with Megan. Um, let him go, says Megan. Fanul says it's time to make changes. And then his dad is like, stop being ridiculous, Fanul. Enter the teleportation grid. Not until you let them go, says Fanul, standing up to his dad. And Ariel runs around the corner with hair dryers. And so all four of them, uh, Ariel, Fanul, Megan and Cutter, start to hair dry <laughs> the cruel Empress of that. The prisoner in the grid. No. You're not taking Cosmo. Hold it right there, gas bag. Don't mess with my family, dude. No doubt. Now, I know it's a wedding, but what house has three hair dryers in it? Four hair dryers. Four hair dryers in it. Are they hair dryer collectors? I mean, you buy a hair dryer. Like you say, maybe, maybe that she was having her hair and makeup done at the house. I would grant you that they have two hair dryers because maybe they bought a new one or got, got bought it as a gift before the old one broke. Mm-hmm. I will grant you also that perhaps a hair and makeup person has come to the house to do the hair and makeup and bought their own hair dryers, but that only gets you to three. Yeah. Also, I don't know what kind of hair dryers they're using that have a sort of thirty meter cable <laughs> on them. <laughs> Because these hair dryers are all plugged in. It'd be quite yeah, not wireless hair dryers. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Battery powered hair dryers. Yeah, right. For when you need it on the go. Yeah. Um, but they yeah. start to hair dry the cruel Empress of Ad, and he sort of shimmers he, like, and drops goes all wobbly. This has never gun. happened before. The, the, yeah. Their fear of wind has always been portrayed as a sort of irrational phobia. But now it's like, oh, well, it turns out if you get blown about a bit, you, you, your body does start to like deconstruct and go all wibbly wobbly. It's the same thing that was happening to Ariel when um, the sort of water fight was happening in the kitchen and she was upset. Yeah. So maybe it's just he's so distressed by it that... 
That's what it okay. is. Okay, yeah, that might be it. Um, so, so they are all hair-drying Savard. Yeah, Fen- he drops his ray gun. Fenul is among them, just passively killing his dad. Then, yeah, yeah Savard... He sort of grow, starts to grow into a big yes. face ball. He becomes like a 20-foot-wide ball of red gas. Yeah, with a face. Your tiny machines have no effect on me. I mean, they've had quite a significant... They've turned you into a 20-foot-wide ball of red gas, Savard. <laughs> no, he's like, he's just trying to style it out. Doesn't even bother Doesn't me even if you bother say me. a big floating red face. You know when you blush and you're blushing and everyone can see, but you don't want to be blushing? And you're like, yeah. no, I'm not. When you have like an embarrassing fall in public and yeah. you hurt yourself quite badly, yeah. but you want to sort of just hop up and yeah. act as if nothing's uh-huh, happened. Yeah. Whoa, whoa. Oh, man. Whoa, I'm fine. Whoa. Yeah, I'm fine. Oh, I'm fine. A though. 20 foot wide ball of gas, am I? Oh, I didn't. Yeah. Ah, oh, it'll go down in a minute. I, I planned to become a 20 foot ball of gas anyway. Yeah, I was going to do that at the wedding. That's what. <laughs> yeah, that was my plan for the wedding yeah. anyway. It's my um, gift to the bride and groom. They do realise that now that he's a 20 foot wide uh, floating ball of gas with a face, that the hair dryers are too weak. For but some at this point. Reason. For some but reason. at this point, out walks Trevor, the small boy, and he's got a leaf blower strapped to him. Then try this on for size, sucker! Not a win! Not a win! It's like a Ghostbusters proton pack moment. Yeah. You know, he's kind of like touting it. He almost kind of like holds it up. It's like um Evil Dead, like chainsaw hand pose. He's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Savard. And then the wind, not the wind, not the says wind. Savard. And the wind, the wind fear from the very start of the movie, Chekhov's wind fear, yep. has come back to pay off in spades. Uh, they all they all blow him until he explodes. With their wind um, power probably, combined. I probably should have, they form sorry, up. I probably should have phrased that. Uh, <laughs> I should have phrased that better. They all... <laughs> they all... Um, they all make... They all make wind come out until em- the emperor dies of it and then they high five yeah he um, he bursts in a shower of bubble gore um yep. a gigantic cgi one cosmo is unfrozen um i guess fanul just killed his dad <laughs> yeah fanul does high fives because he just killed his <laughs> he dad he does a big high five he's like yeah now can we can we go and eat these potato we, chips you promised me killed my dad um, Cosmo unfreezes, and so does Serena Sue. Even though Empress Vard very clearly said that that only happens by his by his his pleasure. Pleasure. <laughs> so yeah. I, I assumed that having killed Savard, he would be frozen forever. But fine. Now they just so now unfrozen, Cosmo walks around the back of the house and gets married. No one at the wedding noticed that any of this was happening because it happened on the front lawn. Um, yeah. The crappy dad takes a work call during the ceremony. Some things never change, says Megan. Uh, we cut to the evening. Some slow jams are playing. Fanul is dancing with Megan. Cutter is dancing with Ariel. Megan asks if he has to go back to Zirkelon. Uh, <laughs> with my father in his current condition. Dead. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's up to me to govern our planet, says Fanul. This is such a cop-out. It's like... You wanted you wanted Savard to burst dramatically. Have the yep. courage of your convictions to have him be dead. With my father He's in his current condition. Burst. Burst. With my father burst, it's up to me to govern our planet. I'll come back once I've made a few changes, he says. Yeah. Um, and Ariel narrating says that she sees her life wasn't over when she moved to Earth. It was just beginning. She has a new boyfriend in Cutter, a new stepmother and a new best friend in, in Megan. And then Megan narrating says she admits that she learned something from all of this, but she won't tell us what it is. <laughs> they all dance and celebrate love and family. 
And so ends the step sister step from, sister planet, from weird. planet Weird. The thing that I'm struggling with is I think this is actually a good one. It's a I, yeah. It's I don't I think it's I think it's better than a lot of them. I it's just not think boring. There's, there's too much film here for like an hour and twenty four minutes. Yeah, it cl- it's too yeah. much. This is like a trilogy of story. Yes. This is like I can really see this as like a sort of young adult thing where like in the second film they go they to Zircalon and they do the, they go all maze runner on it oh, and man yes they have to overthrow the kind of the Hunger Games style oh. city and but it's like we've got to cram this into like a hundred minutes yeah. not even a hundred minutes yeah. it's like it's an hour and twenty four minutes this film a challenging runtime so let's move on Andy I'm going to read you some emails as always you can get in touch with the podcast by emailing mom can't cook pod at gmail.com. I want to highlight this email from Sabine, who has written, Andy, a um, Mom Can't Cook DCOM one-shot RPG. Amazing. It is It is absolutely amazing. Um, I'm looking at it now. Um, I've got it as a PDF. I'm wondering if we can maybe, like, screenshot it and put it up on Instagram so that people can play it at home maybe that's the, yes oh my god that would be the amazing. easiest way to distribute it but yeah it's a it's um a quickish rpg sabine describes it uh as as inspired by mom can't cook um you need a, a d6 d20 and something to write on last five to 20 minutes so yeah yeah pretty breezy um i thought andy amazing. we could just real quickly like roll your your character's starting traits would that be would you okay yeah that? that sounds good do you have a d do you have a d6 I have all a d6, right let's yeah. find out what you are roll me that okay. d6 one. Your character is a normal teen with a good heart. Roll it again. Six. Your greatest asset is your brother, Andrew Lawrence. Seems good in a pinch, probably, and he might have Michael Keaton's phone number. <laughs> he probably does. Probably does. I like Andrew Lawrence. He's become my favourite one. <laughs> oh, all right. Okay, um, roll it again. Three. This story takes place in the big city with its skyscrapers, wine bars, and disregard for human life. Latte sipping coastal elites. <laughs> How I hate you. And let's finally determine... Uh, oh, no, wait. Okay, roll it one more, one more time. The villain of the story. Three. The villain of the story is the adjective nouns, a surprisingly well-organised group of rivals who only care about winning. God, I hate those adjectives. They're nouns. so awful. Roll it one more time. Actually, a couple more times, because I'm having fun now. Okay. So five. Your goal is to save the whales. <laughs> without... Okay, good. Roll it again. Oh. Save the whales without... Four. Losing the family farm. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a problem. The family farm beset by whales. Because the family farm success hinges on whale destruction. My family farm here in the big city isn't doing so well. <laughs> I mean, that's not surprising, is it? Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen eggs this color. It could be in New York. Uh, a whale could come up the Hudson or something and yeah. get stuck on a... And swim into my family farm. <laughs> Yeah, save the whale, save the family farm. Great. Okay, what decom are we doing next? I know the answer, but I want to you say it because it's going to make me feel good. We're doing 2001's Jumping Ship. Yes! I will we made it, folks! Starring, starring Joey Lawrence, made it, Matthew Lawrence, and Andrew Lawrence. The triple. It's first-class adventure for Michael and his cousin when they charter a private yacht for a fun-filled cruise off the coast of Australia until the yacht turns out to be a broken-down fishing boat complete with a rusting hull. When they find themselves being chased by modern-day pirates, their only option is to jump ship with the boat's captain. 
Stranded on an island without any of the conveniences of home, <laughs> these three castaways oh. must work together oh. if they hope to survive and be rescued. Yes, it's so good. It's a sequel to Horse Sense. If you're new to the podcast, listener, between between like now and the next episode, do go back and listen to the Horse Sense episode because impossibly Jumping Ship is a direct sequel. It's a direct sequel with the same characters. With the same characters. So it's just oh. going to be... It's going to be it's going to be so good. Okay, if you would like to, we would really like it if you would give a positive review to this podcast because we summited Everest. We yeah. we did um, stepsister from Planet Weird. Reward our efforts. Yeah, and and we emptied out our packs at the start, so there's no coming back. There's no coming back. We're going to But your reviews yeah. are like a wingsuit that we find up here yes. and we can use to glide back down. Yes, your five-star reviews. We can yeah. use so them help to us get out to base camp. Get us a wingsuit. Yeah. Wingsuit us, please. Get those five-star reviews in on iTunes or Spotify, anywhere else you can rate. It really, really does help. It is the best way that you can help the podcast grow because, as in with all corners of my life, I am completely at the whim of algorithms. And the algorithm (laughs) likes it if a thing's getting lots of reviews. Obviously, every podcast is begging their listeners to do lots of reviews. So we're really, really racing just to keep up. You know, <laughs> we're on the yeah, we're on the we're treadmill. on the treadmill here, folks. It's constantly speeding up. Yeah, is is and... your is your five star review going to give us a massive lead? No. Will it help us keep pace like we have to? Yes. <laughs> so that's what we're asking for, folks. <laughs> help us keep pace like we have to, because Kermode yeah. and Mayo are keeping pace. Oh, they're setting the pace. They're, they're setting the pace, and it's exhausting. And they'd love to see us fall off this treadmill. Yeah, they'd love it. And get crushed under the rocks. They'd love it. They'd love it. Yeah. Mayo is jogging confidently on his treadmill, and he's he's looking at me. He's looking at my legs. He's, yep. he's, he's as if to say, are you going to keep that up, Luke? Yep. And Kermode is on an electric scooter, making a mockery of the whole thing. Yeah. Come on, Kermode. You going to let him do that? Let him disrespect you like that? Come on. We mentioned Rashomon. Right you have to respect us. That's right. So we're a proper film podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> okay. David Lynch. Yeah. You mentioned him. All right. So, so that's two. Oh, wait. That was both. Both of those were you. I need to say something clever. Go on. Um, Quick. Um, you did that uh, one in 13th Ridley Year Scott. where you said everyone dying on the kitchen floor of a gas leak was like. Um, yeah, it was like the end of St. Maud. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Highbrow film criticism. Yeah. From Mum Can't Cook, a decom podcast. Anyway, come back for all three Lawrence brothers stranded on a pirate island. It's going to be absolutely wild. We can't wait. We've been building up yeah. this one for a long time. It's going to be a special one, folks. We'll see you then, folks. Uh, I'm going to spend the next few minutes just floating sideways in defiance of Empress of Anne. Do it. Because I'm doing it. The, the grod has really hit the schweezel or whatever. Grod. <laughs> the schweezel's hit the scron. <laughs> the schweezel's hit the scron. <laughs>